With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 13 Game-by-Game Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy Sunday night. Hope you guys clinched some of those playoff bursts today. If not, we still got like an entire another week, but my goodness, it is December we have playoff fantasy football on the horizon. Joining me, as always, this lovely Sunday night, MB Fantasy Life Prodigy, Director of Analytics. The man holds this company up with one hand. He has his laptop in the other. Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. What's going on, man? I am good, and that is definitely not true, but thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have an awesome team at Fantasy Life. But yeah, I'm freaking uh, having fun being a part of it. That's for sure. I, I have a lot of notes, Dwayne. You can see my show sheet here. Usually a couple thousand yeah. words. I could probably do less. I never plan the intros, and that's why we get just whatever the hell that just was out there. So regardless, <laughs> uh, as our lovely guy starting off the chat, Patrick uh, says, boom, goes the dynamite. What a throwback there. So guys, just before we get going, my apologies for not having the injury pod on Friday. If you guys were tuned in on Twitter at all, unfortunately, we had a bunch of layoffs at PFF, and that's never fun, and it's unfortunate. I've been a reality in our industry at more companies than just us and obviously is all throughout the world as well. So um, obviously I, I don't want to see any of my uh, colleagues have to leave and I wish we could all stay and wish we could all make a ton of money. Unfortunately, these were decisions that, you know, were never put by me. I'm not quite important enough to be uh, deciding that and unfortunately just got to kind of, you know, roll with it and uh, life sucks sometimes and get back up and get better. So, you know, Kevin Cole, a guy that I was spending 40% of my podcast with, uh, going to miss him a ton and loved everything he was able to bring to this specific uh, podcast. I know there's a lot of unexpected points fans out there. Uh, Stone Rochelle, everything he did behind the scenes, you know, Doug just being one of the best reporters in the game, in my opinion. So lots of, a lot of good men out there. And, uh, you know, Again, I don't want to say it like that. That's like wedding crashes when he's like, last log of men out there playing for the Yankees. So no, no one actually died out there, but it really was a uh, sad day for all of us. And accordingly, you know, just wasn't able to really get on, uh, keeping on like we normally do on Fridays. So sad day. But with that, we are all moving on. I know those guys are going to have a ton of opportunities, fantastic talents in the industry, and they will have better days ahead, just like we will here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. So appreciate you guys keeping, keeping on, keeping in, tuning in. And with that, let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming Dwayne starting off with you know a pretty terrible game actually the Browns took down the Texans 27 to 17 covering a seven and a half point favorites under cash at 46 and a half and man if you just didn't watch the game look at the scoreboard it's like oh Deshaun Watson's back wow this Browns offense must be sick now 
Only six of those points actually came from the Browns offense. They had a punt return touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's actually been doing a fantastic job in that facet of the game for a couple of weeks now. And then two defensive scores because Kyle Allen, PFF single let lowest graded quarterback on the week. So yeah, Dwayne, didn't see a lot of Deshaun Watson, this new look Browns offense that could even, you know, be close to being called good. Again, this is a bad Texans defense that this version of the Browns offense only had 304 total yards against. That was their second lowest performance of the season so Watson looked erratic out there I mean the amount of balls he just skipped in in the first half very surprising he did seem to loosen up a little bit in the second half which is to be expected the guys have played football since 2020 but I mean so far not so good Dwayne and it's week 13 like we don't have too much time to get this situation uh you know much better here before the, end the stretch yeah the, the positive I would say for Watson would be that he had 15 percent of the team's rushing attempts he had seven he had seven attempts now he only had 21 yards on it but you know how this goes. If you've got a quarterback that can run the ball, like you can live on less. And I, I, I'm still just going to bet on Deshaun Watson's talent. I mean, setting aside all the other things about Deshaun Watson, we've just seen him be too good of a quarterback um, for too long. And he's also got a lot of backyard in his game, right? We've yeah. seen this before from him. And so it's not necessarily surprising. He's in a timing offense now that he's having to really, you know, try to work his way back in. And like you mentioned, hasn't played since 2020. So I, I, I'm just kind of dusting this one off, you know, with Watson. I mean, it was his first game back. I'll still probably have him inside my top 10 next week. Well, I know I will next week because we got like freaking 4,000 teams on by. So there's no way that he won't be in the top 10. Um, but it was a bad performance. He did not look good. Only a 55% completion rate. And pretty much every time I saw him on the TV, it was a bad pass. A lot like and you mentioned it first half. A lot of them were skipping at people's feet. Um, did look a little better in the second half, but I don't think we can overly read too much into it. Um, I guess the biggest concern would be, I mean, for folks, you haven't had Deshaun Watson all along. The bigger concern is if this does continue, Amari Cooper's been having a great season. Now, his target share was still great, 43%. He had 61% of the team air yards. It just wasn't very pretty. He only ended up catching four balls. He had nine targets because of a lot of those bad passes. Only 44% of Amari's um, passes were or targets were catchable. I tend to be with you in terms of just throwing this out for the most part. Like, I'm not just going to assume this is a terrible Browns offense. Now we saw how good they could be with Jacoby again, top 10 scoring unit here to get through all that stretch with Jacoby Brissett under center. Even if the Sean Watson isn't quite all the way back to, you know, the best version of himself that we saw, you know, from 2017 and 2020, even if, you know, today was a bad day and he gets more back to 80, 90% of that guy, I think we're going to ha have better days ahead for all these guys. So hopefully David Njoku can get healthy for a stretch run. That would certainly help. Nick Chubb is not going to have too many more days against a defense like this with just 80 rushing yards would not be overly worried. The rest of the season for the Browns at the Bengals versus the Ravens versus Saints and at Washington, we got a mixture of reasonable enough defenses and, of course, that potential shootout next week in Cincy. On the other side of the ball, Dwayne, so Kyle Allen, uh, my fiance, probably could name five or six total players in the NFL and Kyle Allen is randomly one of them because he went to high school with like one of her best friends or something and I just scream about him at least once a week I, mean, I just get so mad Dwayne at how it started with Curtis Samuel in 2019 and now he's taking yeah. Damian Pierce away from us but I asked if we could name uh, a future kid of ours Josh Allen Harditz and she said only if we name the next one Kyle Allen Harditz because she was that confident that I would never ever agree to such a thing and she was right so kudos <laughs> to Julia but seriously with Houston this is killing their offense man I'm not saying Davis Mills had it much better but the one thing we had the one certainty we had in Houston was Damian Pearson the dude doesn't have a rushing touchdown since week five now and yeah he caught a touchdown between that but 
those aren't even a given because Dario Gubawale is going to be taking some of those snaps. And this was even a game where we had Rex Burkhead uh, be a late scratch and he had practiced in full with the concussion. So that was a little bit surprising. But, you know, Benjamin came in and took a couple snaps. So it was good to see Damian Pierce, you know, have more than the 16 rushing yards he had over the last two weeks combined. But, Dwayne, it's just it's been almost almost a month now, man, just waiting for Pierce to kind of get back to that early season, I guess, uh, goodness. And I don't think we're going to see a big change with this Texans offense in the next five or six weeks. Just time to, I guess, rank them as more of a low-end borderline RB2 if we haven't been already. Yeah, I mean, that's where that's where he has to be. He got That's what I downgraded him to last week in the utilization report. He went from being a high-end RB2 to a low-end RB2. The good news is he didn't. he wasn't in the split he was in last week. Um, he was really more back to his normal role. He had 78% of the rushing attempts, got back involved in the two-minute offense with 67% of that. So last weekend we saw in the second half, like he was basically splitting everything with Agam Buwale. Um, And even though today, you know, the, the game wasn't quite as out of hand as it was last week, um, you know, seeing him stay on the field, there's at least that. So I think it keeps him, he's a boom bust, low-end RB2, like Deonta Foreman, right? They're They're really similar. Like they can come out and they could score two touchdowns in a game, but they could also go five games in a row without scoring just because it's a bad offense. So we're always leery of the running backs, especially if they're really dependent on the rushing attempts, if they could have game scripts go sideways, which we always knew this could be the case with the Texans. They managed to kind of make their way through that early in the year, and he was scoring fantasy points despite all that, but it's really caught up with him over the last couple of weeks. Did have another just short from Daria today, which just kind of made me laugh because we have these unfortunate situations in the second half where just when you think Damian Pierce is about to maybe make up for, you know, the inefficient performance out there, not that it's his fault. Uh, we still see Daria just sometimes taking those fantasy-friendly goal line opportunities, kind of like when Jarek McKinnon's in there for Isaiah Pacheco, but we just get way less of them in Houston, obviously. Did you see the, uh, the Nico Collins line? Dude had 11 targets. <laughs> he had three catches. Only 36% of his targets were deemed catches catchable that, that, that was actually my my only other note that i was just going to bypass but like even if this brandon cooks like phantom calf injury sticks like with nico collins it's just like kind of Cortland sutton all over again where maybe we can <laughs> maybe we can get up to like a mid-tier wide can we just go back three, to davis but, mills like i know seriously like there's no point you've seen enough of kyle allen we already knew davis mills was better than kyle allen like davis mills at least kept the offense like respectable i kind of feel bad for him like it's not like he was surrounded with a bunch of weapons um i, I mean it's tough to, to really run an offense like what the Texans are putting out there. But 11 targets and you catch three balls, that's rough. All right, guys, next one, Steelers 19, Falcons 16. Obviously, Pittsburgh covered one-point road favor under cash at 43. Falcons do have a week 14 buy, so as Dwayne mentioned, six teams. I don't know why there's six teams on a week 14 buy. I feel like this doesn't benefit them, but it is what it is, and we will roll with the punches regardless. So Deontay Johnson now, Dwayne, 102 targets mm. without a touchdown this season. How's the next possible? The next closest guy is Tyler Higby at 76. So he had another couple chances chances because when does he not have a couple chances out there with that many targets he had a drop where probably wouldn't have scored but would have actually given them a first down they had to settle for a field goal and then later a little bit underthrown AJ Terrell made a nice play to help back and break it up but again multiple chances and the unfortunate part here with the passing game Dwayne we're still not getting big time performances from Kenny Pickett he did have a very nice touchdown to Connor Hayward where he put the nice amount of uh, you know loft to get it over the linebacker and still find him streaking in the back of the end zone but 
like George Pickens today, we can say that he's had better connection with Kenny Pickett and he's been probably just a better receiver here more weeks than not this year. Just two targets, one catch, and two yards. I mean, I've been hoping you lose Claypool. You get Pickett out of that really tough schedule that I was reciting every freaking 30 minutes on this podcast, and it just hasn't changed. You look at it now, and my God, man, there's 38 qualified quarterbacks in the NFL that have at least 100 dropbacks. Pickett and Trubisky are 35th and 36th in yards per attempt. I mean, after last year, we said it's Big Ben. Can't get any worse than this. Dwayne, it has gotten worse than this. It's gotten worse, yeah. Um, probably time for a new offensive coordinator. Uh, I would say you got to move on from Canada at this point. He's been given his chance with a few different guys to try to work this out. It's not happening. Um, I think we'll see what happens with Pickett long term, but th- it is disturbing because this is a matchup where you would really hope that he would come out and explode. You're playing against a bad Falcon secondary, and it looked like maybe he would. Like I, most of this yardage came in like probably the first quarter and a half. Like, I want to say he was already at like 130 yards, maybe midway through the second quarter. Um, I'd have to go back and check for sure. And then there just really wasn't much over the rest of the game. Um, Pat Fryermuth was only out there for 55% of the routes. I don't know if you had any injury notes on him. I did not see anything. That's a I first. Think that's just, I think that's just Zach Gentry being it's, a I knew you were going to say this. It is Zach Gentry. <laughs> Zach Gentry outsnapped him 74% to 55%. Um, it could have it could have been to do with the game script. The Steelers, you know, are not used to being in close games. So so maybe they want to use multiple tight ends or something and run the ball more. I don't know. I mean, they only drop back to pass 48 percent of the time. Like this has been a team that's dropping back 65, 70 percent of plays. And so the the game script definitely had something to do with it. So I'm not going to worry too much about Fryermuth. I mean, he was still he was still a badass like when he was out there. Twenty nine percent targets per route run was second on the team behind the uh Deontay Johnson placeholder cup holder what whatever it is Deontay Johnson is not actually physical anything it's just a holder where something would go um like fantasy points but then there's not really anything in there so Pat Farmer it's probably fine but just just wanted to throw it out there it's a note I saw uh, our guy Denny Carter had a funny tweet and I, I've dabbled this idea in the past I think we've all made fun of it but an all opportunity fantasy league Dwayne realize points actual yards yeah. touchdowns none of it matters we're chasing targets carries opportunity baby expected points become the real points man probably sleeper shout out sleeper I'm sure they could make that happen if anyone could uh, only other notes here yeah you mentioned Fryermuth with uh, disappointing usage but did have the awesome 57 yard catch and run so still very nice to see how talented he is as just a second year tight end only other note Dwayne is the backfield we were seeing Najee without Jalen Warren in the picture getting back to the 85 90 percent snap share that he really needs to make up for his general inefficiency now today he was a little bit better 5.1 yards per carry and he has been playing a little bit better in recent weeks that's what happens when you remove a steel freaking plate from your shoe I'm sure that uh, makes a nice difference but having Najee out there 66 percent of the snaps he lost a couple targets to Jalen Warren and six carries to Benny freaking snail himself so unfortunately man still a low-end rb2 i thought we were getting back to the spot where we could yeah. go back to Najee as the guy we draft him to be but not this year yeah i was hoping so as well and now because snail played just good enough last week when he needed to in a pinch the coaching staff feels obligated to give him a little bit of work too um it's just kind of a mess Jalen warren did get most of the passing down work 78 percent of the long down and distance they did not use the two-minute offense as the aforementioned game script i talked about um, 22% of the long down and distance went to Najee. And that's just a really a big blow, Ian, because last year, Najee, he got a ton of his points off the check down passes. And those have just not been here this year. And it's very problematic. 
Good note from our guy Jeff Tracy in the YouTube chat. Steelers only punted twice, and their offense did look a little better than those old stats show. So that's great, and I hope they do still have another step to take their final four games here in the fantasy season. Ravens at the Panthers versus the Raiders, and then against the Ravens again. So we've seen that Ravens secondary have their issues, you know, against the deep ball. Obviously, the Raiders have been in their fair share of shootouts. Hopefully, Pickett has been saving his best for last. I know all of us Pickens and Deontay fantasy managers would appreciate that. On the other side of the ball, another – you know, just poorest performance from head coach Arthur Smith. They, again, have a week 14 bye, so we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. It did sound like, Dwayne, that Desmond Ritter could have a chance after the bye. Did you hear that exact quote? I did not. but I, I, I honestly was not. I wasn't paying attention to Twitter from like 5 p.m. on. So I did, okay. I did not hear this. That that would be very interesting. Good for you, man. That's just, what, you touching grass like on a Sunday? Yeah, well, I mean, I was just kind of doing my thing, and the Cowboys game was going to be coming on late, yeah. so I needed to kind of get away and not be staring at the computer like the whole time. You also have like a family, so that's probably not the worst thing uh, in the world <laughs> to focus on from time to time. Yeah. So, okay, here I we go. I have to have an excuse when the process fails. I have to at least be able to <laughs> point back to that I did spend some time with my family. You know? we, we had that dinner together in week 13. Come on. Okay, here we go. That, that was a good job by us covering up while I found the exact quote. Falcons coach Arthur Smith said, we'll evaluate everything, every job. So, okay, he didn't actually say shit about it. Come on, NBC Sports Edge. Be better with the clickbait headlines. Regardless, yes, Marcus Mariota has not been the answer. I took just not, not by target depth. So we saw, I think when I did the amount of catchable passes in every NFL offense, the Cardinals were really popping because they don't throw the ball downfield. So not a perfect study that said the single highest rate of uncatchable targets in the NFL this season belongs to Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. So it can't get much worse. At least we did finally see Drake London get a little bit of volume here, Dwayne. 12 targets, 12 freaking targets for Drake London. That's his most in a game since week two. The last three games combined, he only had 13 targets. The problem is, like, do we expect this to stick? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. I'm done with the Falcons. I actually yeah. recorded a video last week around Corderell Patterson. I took time out of my life to record <laughs> a freaking video, and I should know better. You don't record anything or even talk about anything to do with Arthur Smith because he's <laughs> just going to change it the next week. Corderell Patterson, he lost. He lost the two-minute offense to freaking Tyler Algier. I mean, come on. Like, Corderell Patterson used to be a receiver. He didn't lose it. It was stolen from him. Dwayne. It was stolen. It was, it was, it was handed difference. away. It was gift wrap. Yes, you're true. It is different. Um, the only thing I will say about London is the underlying like ability to demand targets has been there all along. So this is really good for him from a dynasty prospect. You just need an upgrade in quarterback, and then you hope that that opens up the playbook. You've talked about Arthur Smith before, and I agree with a lot of it, actually. like I he The only thing that drives me crazy about Arthur Smith is I feel like the dude just outsmarts himself all the time with person with the way he handles his personnel. Like I don't have a problem with you're trying to cover up for a bad quarterback. I get it. I don't have a problem with the fact that you know you're gonna you know you're gonna try to stay a little more run balanced or run heavy. You're gonna use a lot of play action. All these things can be really good for an NFL offense. We see it work for other teams. But whenever you pull guys like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Corderell Patterson off the field to get guys like Caleb Huntley, Parker Hesse. You know, Olamide uh, Zacchaeus. You know, I know I just said that wrong. I've been working on Olamide's first name, and I just totally screwed it up. Sorry, bro. I'll work on it again next week. But like, it just, it's kind of mind-numbing. But Drake, he's definitely been demanding targets when he's out there. So we knew he potentially could have one of these games. It's just this team doesn't want to pass the ball. They have a bad quarterback. And even if you get a 50% target share, you get 15 fantasy points. Like, it's like, where's the ceiling? 
I stuck up for Arthur more in the beginning of the year when he was scoring like 27, 28 points and people are freaking out on him on Twitter for like not throwing the ball to Kyle Pitts enough. Cause it was like, okay, I hear you. Cause I have a bunch of Kyle Pitts as well, but the guy's doing his job of scoring points, but hasn't exactly been doing that lately. Dwayne over the past five weeks now, 17, 15, 27, 13, and now just 16 points. So do something under center. Obviously, the current process isn't, you know, exactly working. At five and eight, they are somehow still alive in the absolute <laughs> dog shit NFC South. But yeah, you weren't kidding. This really is the CPAT and Tyler Algier show. And honestly, Tyler Algier has been fine with his touches. I'm sure his yards per carry is probably pretty close to five. Like it's not been a disaster going from CPAT to Algier by any stretch. I just, as you know, longtime president of the Cordero Patterson fan club, really wish they were giving a lot more to Patterson. But in five games since Patterson returned, Algier actually has 129 snaps to Patterson's 128. CPAT has 50 carries. Algier has 47. And that's the part I can somewhat wrap my mind around, Dwayne. Yeah, but the that fact that the part. But the targets, nine yes. to five, like Michael Pruitt is as involved in the passing game as Cordero Patterson over the past five weeks. Come on. Yeah. Zero, zero targets today. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my problem too. Like you, you got to have Patterson involved in the passing game. Like if you want to split the run, the backfield up three ways, Patterson's probably not, you probably don't want Patterson, you know, getting 15 touches between the tackles every game. I totally get that. But yeah, it's uh, we thought maybe last week, we saw the takeover of the passing downs. We saw him with the 22% target share. You piece that together with what they did with Patterson last year, and there was hope. Now there's no hope, Ian. Sorry. I know, man. It's a sad day. He actually did have a 10-yard uh, rushing touchdown. Yeah, Null he did. Nullified on a holding penalty, and I've not really seen a player that confident that the touchdown was coming back. Like, CPAT scored, literally turned out the side of the end zone and went straight back to the huddle. Like Usually when the... you see the edge sealed so perfectly yeah. and there's, like, no one over there, and it, I, I usually immediately, it's the first thing I look for is a holding call. When you see such a clean edge like that, and it was a, I think, what was it a receiver or a tight end? I don't even think it was a tackle that made the hold. But I Whoever it was, it was 100% a hold. Like, I'm not going to sit here <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it wasn't, but still very much a sheesh. All right, the Packers took down the Bears 28-19. to Green Bay covered as three-and-a-half-point favorites. The over cashed out 45-and-a-half. Both of these teams have a week 14 bye, so a lot of guys banged up. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones suffered a shin injury and returned, but then wasn't even playing that much after he returned. I mean, they were giving actual reps in a close game to Patrick Taylor in the fourth quarter. That's how, you know, Aaron Jones's health was going by the end of this one. Obviously, Justin Fields playing through the pain. Even Chase Claypool had a knee injury. So, well-timed bye week for all these guys. But we got to talk about the star of the show, Dwayne. Christian Watson just keeps on scoring touchdowns. Eight touchdowns in his last 17 this touches. Is, this is the opposite of Deontay Johnson. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. And he's been doing pretty good with the whole yards thing, too. I mean, 2.3 yeah. yards per route run now. Only rookies better since 2015. A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Chris Olave. So I agree with the eye test sentiment where, you know, I'm not confusing Watson for Garrett Wilson, his ability with the ball in his hands. Wilson's uh, obviously got a lot more side-to-side -side juice. But, hey, Watson, if you give him a straight line, the dude's going to run that fast and just about anyone out there. And then when we look at just, you know, his ability to go up in sky and get the ball, is it as good as George Pickens or even maybe a Drake London? I don't know that I'd say that, but at the end of the day, he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. He's really freaking fast. And Aaron Rodgers is willing to keep giving him one opportunity after another. 
Dwayne, I had Watson ranked as wide receiver 17 this last week. I thought that was irresponsible. I was going more on the talent instead of the volume. And what is he, is he got to be like a top 12 wide receiver after the buy now? Like how far can we go with this? Cause he's clearly a great player that said, I mean, eight touchdowns on his last 17 touches. I would like for him to not have to be this amazing in order to find the end zone. Yeah. I mean, I get it, but I mean, he is also, I mean, he demands targets like, so, I mean, it, it's it's not just all fluky. Now, the Packers don't throw the ball a ton, and they're not putting up a lot of passing yards. So his share of what they have you know, available to him is a little bit lower than what we would want for someone that would be in the wide receiver one conversation. So I think you got to keep him in that wide receiver two range, obviously. I know you were just kidding there anyway, but I, it's one of these guys, though, that when I watch the plays, Ian, I don't think it's I, I don't look at it and say, wow, that's a fluke. I look no. at it and say, wow, that guy's good at football. Like, that's what I think. I'm like, oh, wow, he just burned two Cowboys in double coverage for a touchdown deep. Oh, he runs across the face of a defense, and they don't realize his speed, and all of a sudden he's wide open for a touchdown because he's so fast. Oh, he catches a ball on a slant and houses it because he can run fast in a straight line, and he can also erase angles with his speed. Oh, he can take an end around and score a touchdown. At some point, like – People just have to admit, like, this guy can score from anywhere. And they're not even really scheming him the ball yet. He's not, like, I don't know how he's not getting more screens, more bubbles, more all this other stuff. Obviously, they did it today to get him the ball in the running game. Like, this guy should have, he's he's earning 20% of the targets on his own. Like, they should be stuffing the box score with another 10% of targets just based on design stuff. Like, just because, I mean, he's just so explosive with the ball in his hand. So, I like him as that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. But we know, the beauty is, you know, it's just one play, one play, and you're good with your wide receiver two. Two plays, you have a wide receiver one on the week. So, yeah, I mean, I love him. I do think it's kind of funny that people continue to want to hate on him. Um, I mean, I just look at it and think that you have a really good player on your hands. Yeah. And at this point, like, I don't, I think it's kind of been written, man. Like it's been wrote, whatever the hell you want to say. Like he's gone out there and he's got eight <laughs> touchdowns in his last freaking four games of action. So great, great stuff from Christian Watson, AJ Dillon, obviously big game without Aaron Jones in there. And yeah, I think coming back from the week 14 buyer, we're going to see a healthier version of Jones, but just a good reminder that AJ Dillon, just like Aaron Jones, one injury to the other guy away from having this sort of every week, you know, 20 touch roll that would make Dillon or Jones Obviously, Jones is already cemented in lineups, but without Jones, Dylan would be as well. On the other side of the ball, Kings stay Kings, and Justin Fields is a king. That said, Dwayne, we did see the rushing usage dial back. Now, it didn't matter because he took one of those 55 yards for a touchdown, but in his five games before injury, his design rush attempts per game, 12, 5, 7, 10, and 11. Sunday, he had just three. So they do have the week 14 by to get him healthier. I'm all the way back in on fields as a top, you know, what, six, five quarterback after their week 14 by. Hand up. I know I saw you tweeted out there like you never bench Justin Fields at all. I was that person. I had him a couple lineups with Lamar Jackson and stuff. And in my opinion, it was like if we have a top six, top eight quarterback, I was too worried about Justin Fields not having the rushing volume. But guess what, man? The guy doesn't need much volume, apparently, to go out there and absolutely crush it on the ground. 905 rushing yards and now eight rushing touchdowns in 12 games this season. Now, his most pass attempts in a game, still just 28. I think it's going to be hard for any of these guys. Komet, Claypool, Nikhil Harry, who had an awesome dive and catch downfield randomly. I don't think we're going to get a consistent pass catcher in Chicago the rest of the season. 
but we have one certainty. It's Justin Fields, and it's good to see he's back healthy because, hey, it wasn't that long ago this was considered a day-to-day injury that could possibly keep him out for the entire season. Justin Fields all the way back in top six after the bye. Yeah, I had him in the top six this week. So, like, once I got the two full practice reports and he was taken off the injury report, I was just like, well, screw it. Like, just because when you looked at his finishes, you know, over the last five games, I'm like, okay, like, who am I going to really start over Justin Fields? So I had him one spot over Lamar. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's in the top five, top six, whatever you want to call it. Um, And it's nice. He will get another week to get healthy. Um, So a lot of you, you start your fantasy playoffs in week 15. And if you've got Justin Fields on your team, you're going to be feeling really good about him starting. Um, I would say for the wide receivers, the one positive I would say is that Chase Claypool hit an 80% uh, route participation rate. He also led the team. Well, he was just Cole Komet led the team, 28% target share, 24% for Claypool. I, I agree that it's tough to trust any of these, but some of you are playing in deeper leagues. And so I get a lot of DMs about these deep league kind of questions. And the, and a lot of it's like, hey, you guys didn't talk about this guy on the podcast. So I'll throw him in there. Um, he is a guy that I would look at. It's like an upside wide receiver four, kind of the way we felt about Mooney, right? Yep. Um, Mooney couldn't really work his way into the consistent wide receiver three conversation on a full slate. And I don't think Claypool will either. But if you're playing in a deeper league, like there are worse things you can do than have Claypool. No, I think that's very well said. I just, if you're not going to be top 24, I kind of write you off like you're absolutely yeah. nothing, which isn't fair, Dwayne. There are a lot of deeper <laughs> leagues out there. Just in the backfield, another dominant usage performance from David Montgomery. 78% snaps, 14 carries, and five targets. We've said it. He is a volume-based RB2 through and through, who is a lot better at football than people like to give him credit for on the old Twitter sphere. He just touched down today. He broke another couple tackles, at least one carry a week or reception where Montgomery goes out there and looks like a stud. Looks like that ESPN graphic that was trying to make him out to be five, six years ago. That said, Khalil Herbert is on IR, could be back after the bye. So if we do see Herbert come back into the equation and be healthy, it's going to render both of them more so as RB3 types down the stretch. Lions annihilated the Jacksonville Jaguars 40 to 14, easily covering as one and a half point favorites over cashed at 51 and a half. Sun gods stay sun gods, Dwayne, and my goodness, I'm going to keep listing it. Every week until he busts receptions in his last 15 games, not impacted by injury. 10, 8, 8, 9, 8, 8, 8, 9, 6, 7, 4, 10, 7, 9, 11. That's a lot of freaking fantasy points, Dwayne. Hell, two of those receptions found the end zone this week. Almost had a third. Like, he's gotten stopped at the one-yard line on my count three times in the last month of action. Certainly up there in the all-time season leaderboard. So, hey, it's just one of those things, man, where we've had him top 10 wide receiver first since the first few weeks of the year and he got injured and people got worried about it but guess what Jameson Williams back DJ Chark healthy DeAndre Swift one of the biggest roles he's had all season which I know you're going to talk about in just a second and guess what they still kept throwing the ball to Monroe St. Brown because he's really freaking good at football the only wide receivers this year with a PFF receiving grade of at least 90, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and Amon Ross St. Brown. His yards per route run are behind those exact same guys. I mean, I talk about some of these stats, you know, being like the meme of the soldiers and like the clown and stuff. No, this is not it. Amon Ra is not the clown. I don't know how much more evidence we needed this, Dwayne, because, again, I said this last 15 games not impacted by injury. Our small sample size for Amon Ra is about to get to an entire season. And, hey, you know, just – I love Amon Ross St. Brown. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we do love the sun god. I feel like we've definitely been sun god cheerleaders throughout the offseason. You know, he kind of led the study, you know, over at PFF I did last year or looking at the rookie wide receiver grades. I mean, just every data point we could find on Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, we're like, yep, the guy's going to be awesome. 
and he has definitely come through. Um, so yeah, no, nothing else to say there. But you did mention, well, before I jump to Swift, real quick, DJ Chart was out there for 93% of the routes today. He had 48% of the team's air yards, so he led the way. Only a 16% target share, but came through. Six targets, five receptions, 98 yards. So Chark is a guy I know a lot of people were kind of excited about when he first came to Detroit, and he came through with a nice game. Now, we will see Jamison Williams slowly work his way back. Josh Reynolds was also back today, but Jamison was out there for 11% of the snaps. Ian, oddly enough, they just wanted him to be a run blocker. He was only out there for 4% of the routes. Uh, you know, hey, how about this? A, his targets per route run, Ian, on his 4% of routes was 50%. Like, like I, That's really good. Like, That's got to be the best rookie out there. <laughs> so um, we'll see what happens with Williams, but he's probably going to work back slowly. Um, and even once he's back, I don't know. Like, is he going to rotate with Chark and Josh Reynolds? Kind of going to have to see what's going to happen there in the passing game. Um, as far as the running back situation goes, you'd mentioned it a second ago with DeAndre Swift. He did take back over the backfield. I don't. Do we need to stop and do your clap thing, Ian? I don't. If we... <laughs> like we've been waiting a long time, uh, and, and basically my stance on Swift at this point, Ian has been: Look, I wasn't going to move him up the ranks until I saw this. Now that I've seen it. I'm fine. I'm fine. We can move him up the ranks, but it had been so long and such a long trend. It was just hard to ignore it and just continue like, ah, oh, no, DeAndre Swift's going to be fine. He was fine today. 51% of the snaps, 51% route participation, 45% of the rushing attempts. He handled most of the passing down work, which is something that he earned back last week that we mentioned. So he did keep that 63% of the long down and distance and 67% of the two minute offense. And when they were inside the 10 yard line, 63% of the snaps, and that is an area where we've really seen Jamal Williams handle more of the work. And so those are all really positive for DeAndre Swift. This is the role you were hoping he was in. Also, you know, he had 11% target share. You know, I mean, it's not, not great, not terrible, but four catches for 49 yards and just looked explosive, you know, doing it. You know, in the touchdown he scored, I immediately thought, I bet he got back to the sideline, and it was all bottled up on the inside but you know deuce staley is just like just put your head down and get to one yard don't lose two yards and swift bounces it outside for a touchdown i wonder how that conversation went it was probably like man you did the wrong thing but nice job you're a badass you scored a touchdown is my guess about how that went but swift looks really good ian um i don't think this means jamal williams is dead i think jamal williams is still going to continue to have a chance to score touchdowns he scored one in this game he just might not be a 15 to 18 touch player anymore per game. He might be more like an 11 to 13 touch player with still a really good chance to score a touchdown. DeAndre Swift, in my opinion, immediately moves back into the mid-range RB2. If he does this again, like we'll be talking about, should he be in the low-end RB1 conversation? It was great to see him get that touchdown because he got tackled at the one-yard line again before he got yeah. there. I mean, that Thanksgiving, I know we had a bunch of drinks and turkey afterwards, but the amount of shishi <laughs> plays he had in that performance, man, just almost scoring time after time. Credit to Dan Campbell Lions being cool to the Swift fancy managers out there going right back to him after he got them down there in the first place. But that did not stop Jamal Williams from scoring another touchdown. 14 rushing scores on the season from 2017 to 2021 combined. He had just 13 Kings state Kings and Jamal Williams has been quite Royal all season long. The only problem, Dwayne, like I think you said it right mid tier RB two for Swift. My only hesitancy with throwing him back up in the top 10 top 12 is we still have Justin Jackson there yeah. taking 20% oh, of the snaps it, and the five hell? targets. So last thing though, this Swift usage, cause let's face it, this one was 40 to 14. This was a situation where we saw the same usage of him having over half the snaps in the first half as well as the second yeah. half, right? 
Yep. He had it. He had 50% of the snaps in the first quarter. He had 49% of the snaps in the first half. So it wasn't just, Oh, they're leading. As soon as I put that tweet out there, you know, somebody always like will retweet your thing. Oh, just because of this. And you're like, well, no, I actually looked at that buddy. <laughs> Wasn't just that he was someone out there was thinking the it. Go. Someone yeah. out there right now listening to us was thinking it as well. No, like, it's I, a good point. It's a good point, and I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because it wasn't just due to the game script. I mean, and it's a good question, right? It's not a good assumption to make, but it is a good question to have because the Lions were they obviously they were well in control of this game, and if it had all come in the second half, we wouldn't feel near as good about this takeover. Final point. It was a great revenge game from DJ Chark. Shout out to Zaqua in the chat, bringing that up. Five catches, 98 yards on just six targets. So he looks fully healthy out there. And man, if he's making plays, I think we're continuing to see Jared Goff look a little bit more like the person we saw in the first four or five weeks of the year. So Goff, look, it's going to be, we've seen the highs, we've seen the lows, and we're never going to have anything close to a rushing floor out there. But the Lions do have a manageable schedule down the stretch. Wouldn't be surprised if we see Goff, you know, hitting more of the booms on the bus that he has been experiencing throughout this season on the other side of the ball Jaguars look beat down loss they, their offense is looking so good the last three weeks I mean this just could have been the first hard. drive from Lawrence I was like oh this is going to be a shootout like he, he was dropping dimes so I don't know if you want to call it an emotional letdown or just the fact that Lawrence got hurt. Like it looked bad before halftime, but then he came yeah. back in the second half and pushed it out. I don't know. Cause I'm with you, Dwayne. He looked awesome early on. The only problem was Zay Jones, you know, dropping every single thing that even got close to his hands. Uh, we did ultimately only see them charged with three drops, but this has been a recurring thing all season long. Trevor Lawrence leads every quarterback in the NFL with a league high 25 drop passes. Jaguars as a whole, regardless of the quarterback lead. And it's not even, been a volume thing only the Giants and Titans actually have a higher drop rate this season than the Jaguars so Lawrence again wasn't the best game but he only took two sacks out there I think he only have one turnover worthy play it was a more passable down game for Lawrence than what we've seen from him over the past season and a half and I think that's fair Dwayne neither you nor me have been this you know Lawrence's you know the second coming type of yeah. guy I, I've known he's talented but I just there's other people out there that will really pick through you know some pretty bad game film and try to you know make uh make make chicken salad out of it but hey wasn't the best game from I'm happy he's healthy that's my big takeaway here yeah, the only other thing I would say here for the Jaguars, everything's pretty much the same, but we've talked about it in the past. Christian Kirk is typically going to get his, and then it's going to be one of the other guys, but the other two get left out. <laughs> you know, that's just how it goes. This week it was Evan Ingram, who we've seen be the player that's in the mix in the past. He had a 23% target share, 83% route participation. He came through seven targets, five receptions, 30 yards, but he caught that touchdown. That touchdown is what takes you from being a what? High-end tight end two to being a low-end tight end one. And Evan Ingram, you win the award this week. Uh, Travis Etienne, every down back, even though, you know, it was kind of funny. Last week, as soon as the game's over, oh, I'm fine. I'm good to roll. Doug Peterson, he could have played. First first practice, we're like, okay, limited. We're like, limited. He'll probably be, he'll be, he'll, he'll, he'll work his way up the next day. Nope, limited. He'll get a full practice in on Friday. No, limited. And left is questionable. So just kind of a, a bit confusing, especially knowing that he had the foot injury last year, but he was out there for everything. I know he only came through with the 8.6 fantasy points for you guys today, 13 carries, 54 yards, but he was out there the whole time, 88% of the snaps. He played all the situations. So good days are still going to be coming for Mr. Travis Etienne. 87% snaps after all that. I mean, that's the wild yeah. part. If they would have at least bumped it down to like 70, <laughs> like, okay. But yeah, he did also lose a fumble. Man, he's lost some fumbles this year. He's had some bad drops and they just 
don't care. Doug Peterson loves him. Some Travis Etienne should be better. Loves him. Some Christian Kirk as well. Should have had a short three-yard touchdown, but Lawrence just, again, had a couple off throws in there. I get it. Also, a bunch of these receivers weren't helping the cause, but did just barely miss Christian Kirk right before he did find Evan Ingram for the touchdown. So didn't end up hurting Trevor Lawrence's stat line. But Doug Peterson, shout out, man. I was screaming at him every week, and Dwayne, you know, had to tell me to chill the hell out. Finally, Peterson says, you know, Kirk needs to be up there getting those 9, 10, 11 targets since then. 5, 10, 7, 9, 12, 9, and 8 with three rush attempts thrown in. Appreciate you, Doug Peterson, as does every single Christian Kirk fantasy manager out there. We had the Vikings take down the Jets 27 to 22. Vikings covered as three point home favorites over cash at a lowly 44 points. Justin Jefferson, tough matchup against Sauce Gardner and company. Didn't see the tight shadow coverage because they don't do that in New York. They trust their whole secondary. Guess what? Didn't matter. Still did a really good job on, if not the game's best receiver, anyone's idea of a top three out there. So seven catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Long gain of only 10. Again, this was not a great performance from the Vikings. One of Kirk Cousins' down games. Dalvin Cook did find the end zone, but you know wasn't just the most efficient game out there. It was a little bit of a trek there for the Vikings. Credit to them for getting the W anyway. I think you could kind of describe a lot of their games uh, this season with a similar rationale. But just overall, man, again, it's been a pretty condensed offense all season long. We didn't see Hawkinson boom, but still had a solid six targets. At the end of the day, Justin Jefferson is on pace for 125 catches, 1,825 yards, and nine touchdowns. We have Dalvin Cook. We have Hawkinson. If you got anything else to say, Dwayne, go for it. Nothing else to say. Moving forward. Also did see, real quick, last thing. This is important. Alexander Madison got a random touchdown, and he did that bullshit fake hamstring celebration again. It was (laughs) Jefferson that did it before. Stop it, Minnesota Vikings. You are freaking us out watching these celebrations where you're faking soft tissue injuries. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Moving on to the New York Jets. Mike White fell back to earth just a little bit, but still, you look up at the end of the day. 57 pass attempts, 369 yards, no touchdowns, and had a pair of interceptions. But the yards, Dwayne, and just his passing volume. I mean, going into this game, and this will be a little bit impacted by the fact that at halftime, you know, it was 20 to 6 in favor of the Vikings. Jets were constantly playing from behind. But if you looked at the games that just Flacco or Mike White were under center, their most pass happy offense in the league. And that's something that you brought up going from Flacco to Zach Wilson was the concern that we weren't going to see this offense be quite as pass happy. Well, they are. And because of that, even though Mike White will have some, you know, downs to go with a few ups here, we got Garrett freaking Wilson looking like the stud he was drafted to be. Eight catches, 162 yards on 15 targets. And I actually, I, I had red zone on. This was not one of my three games I was trying to watch uh, alongside that. I saw you tweet, Dwayne. Uh, Garrett should have had an even yeah. bigger Dude, day. He, he yeah, yeah, he should have had another 50 yards and probably a touchdown. Oh. Yeah, Mike White overthrew him. He cooked the DB. It was, I think it was Peterson that he cooked and just laid it out a bit in front of him. But yeah, it's uh he this is a, he's this guy is a badass. This guy is a complete stud. Getting open can do it, can beat you over the top, can beat you underneath. He's got run after the catch. I mean, you know, he was our number one. I'm I'm so glad to say he was both of our number one, you know, coming in. Um it looks absolutely looks the part. I mean, just an electric playmaker. 
in two games with Mike White. 13 catches, 257 yards, two touchdowns on 22 targets. Got it. Love that. On the season, 17th among 57 receivers, regardless of your experience in yards per out run. 10th in PFF receiving grade. We're getting a little bit of the Terry McLaurin effect here where, no, you don't see Garrett maybe as a top 10 receiver in your traditional, you know, more counting productive stats. But you lift up the hood just a little bit and you'll see just how good he is. But, yeah, number nine in PFF. PFF receiving grade, Chris Olave, number 10, Garrett Wilson. How about them apples? So look, with Mike White at this point now, over the past two years in a 48 quarterback sample, he's 36 in PFF passing grade, 47th in average target depth. He has the third highest turnover worthy play rate, but he's eighth in yards per attempt. So no, I continue to not be convinced that Mike White is the long-term answer under center. Albeit, hey, he has only had, what, five starts now. The guy can certainly get better out there. But just the fact that they trust him enough, Dwayne, is enough for me to trust at least Garrett Wilson in his passing game here moving forward. Also potentially one man, bam, that man, Zonovan Knight out here going out there. No Michael Carter, and he did end up leading the way. 55% of the snaps. 15 carries and five targets. They've now given this dude, what is it, 37, I believe? Yeah, 37 combined touches in back-to-back games. And he's gone over 100 total yards in those as well. So, again, didn't get a chance to watch uh, grind this film just yet, so I can't speak on just how good he looked out there. But six yards per carry, who cares about the style points? That seems like it's going pretty well. Thoughts on Zonovan Knight, rest of the season, Dwayne? I think he's looked really good both games. Um, I have not got to go back and watch all of this one. I did go back and watch everything from last week because I was trying to figure out what to do with him in the ranks. And I, I think he's their lead early down back probably the rest of the way. I mean, I think Michael Carter comes back and should take over passing. it. We'll see. Carter could still be you know the lead early down, or they could more split those. But he is definitely past James Robinson. Like, James Robinson is not a worry at all. James Robinson was active today, only played 11% of the snaps. Zonovan Knight had 65% of the rushing attempts today. Like I was hoping he would get to 50%. He more than, you know, covered that. And he's also been, dude, he's just been surprising me in the passing game. And I was, I read, you know, some stuff from Matt Waldman last week where he talked about how, you know, he actually was pointing back to one of his profiles where he talked about how Knight was actually the sneaky good receiver. Most people just, you know, when you hear a running back's name is Bam, like you don't really think much about his, you know, his passing game skill set, but just talked about how he was really, you know, you know, a high caliber, not not like an elite receiver, like an Eckler or anyone like that, but someone that was certainly capable, right, in the passing game. And they gave him 40% of the two-minute offense today. And he came up with five targets, five catches for 28 yards. So, I mean, it's real, and we know with Mike White that you are going to get check downs to the running backs. That's one thing that we've seen for sure. 92% of their snaps inside the 10 went tonight. So he's also the guy that they want on the field when they're close to scoring position. Those are all good things uh, when you got a defense like the Jets, you know, who can keep you close in games typically, and that keeps the running game in play. So I look, I like him. We'll have to see what happens when Michael Carter gets back. At that point, I mean, you're probably looking at him as, you know, he's going to be in the RB3 conversation. Um, you know, tie, it, it really just depends, man, because I could see them easily just be like, look, let Carter play the passing down role. We don't see Ty Johnson. Or they could be like, no, nah. Michael Carter, Michael Carter's going to be more the lead down back, right? And then that that would really hurt Zonovan Knight. When Michael Carter comes back, it's hurting one of these two, right? It's either going to hurt Knight or it's going to hurt Johnson. So we'll see what happens. When we got Jeff Smith pretty much out of the situation, he was inactive. Let, let's, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers, man. You're talking about Ty Johnson getting out of the equation. I don't know about that. Uh, All we'll right, see. NFC East showdown. We had a tie, a freaking tie. 
I hate it. Giants 20, Commanders 20, Giants covered as two and a half point dogs. The, to- the over-under push of 40. God bless anyone out there having to sweat that throughout overtime. The Washington Commanders do have a week 14 bye on their horizon. So let's start off with Washington. You know, I mentioned that stat earlier talking about the Falcons having the lowest rate of catchable passes this year. Then there's the Bears, and then there is the Washington Commanders. So luckily, these receivers are so damn good that it just doesn't matter. I mean, Terry McLaurin managed to go for 105 yards and a touchdown. Curtis Samuel was showing up again. That was pretty good to see. Jahan Dotson, game-tying touchdown at the end of regulation, showing off some yak goodness, man, that we haven't even seen much of this year. He's mostly been making his living with some nice routes, you know, contested catch goodness. But seeing that as well goes to show you why he was the 16th overall pick in the draft. So my big takeaway, Dwayne, is I continue to be – underwhelmed by Taylor Heineke. He did a little better today, not throwing a pick, but you know, we did still have two fumbles and five sacks out there. There's good to go with Taylor Heineke and a lot of quarterbacks can't even get the good. There's just a lot of bad. And I'm not convinced that he is going to be the long-term future here. Fantastic long-term backup Taylor Heineke and Jacoby Brissett. These guys should play until they're 45 years old. I just don't think they should be entrusted with the future of one of these, you know, multi-billion dollar franchises. So big take there, but these wide receivers, man, I feel like these Washington wide receivers are what we were hoping the Panthers and Broncos were over these last two off seasons. You like that one, Dwayne? I love it. I saw your tweet. Um, <laughs> I just love Terry McLaurin. Like Jahan Dotson, he, it was a good game for him, 23% target share. Um, he's just not been able to demand targets so far on the season. Like he is very distant, like in the third, fourth, you know, spot in the pecking order on the team. But maybe this is something that sparks him. You know, you mentioned him showing off the yards after the catch. That's something that I kind of thought that he would be good at. But with the way they use Curtis Samuel in the offense, it's kind of forced Jahan Dotson. It might be a really good thing for Jahan Dotson's like, you know, growth trajectory, yeah. but he's been forced to play outside, right? He's been forced to learn immediately in his rookie season. How do you how do you beat coverage over the top? How do you play on the outside? You're not always going to be protected in the slot because they've really used Samuel more in that role. So potentially that's something that's good for him in the long term. You know, not every rookie can just come out and blow up in their in their first season. I'm with you on Heineke. He's just a roller coaster, man. One week he's going to throw for 150. And then, but, but it's good to know that on the roller coaster, that like there is a high, right? It's not all lows. Like you can get a high out of, out of Taylor Heineke. <laughs> I see what he did there. All right. Final thing on Washington. Brian Robinson didn't quite get the backfield takeover from a snap standpoint. It still was Antonio Gibson, 51% to 45%, but 22 carries for Robinson to just nine for Gibson. And unlike when they were really kind of arguably rushing him back to action, I don't know how else to explain just how much better he's been over the past few weeks than when he started out. Cause over the last two weeks, 4.6 and 5.8 yards per carry. I mean, he didn't even clear 3.8 yards per carry in the first seven games. So I get it. The idea with Brian Robinson is he's a battering ram, you know, 225, 230, whatever he is, and he can pick up those extra yards after contact. Wasn't really there to start. It has been since. So good stuff from him. Unfortunately, Dwayne, with Gibson still being plenty involved, especially on passing downs with Robinson, going to be tough to really get him out of that low-end RB2 range. Yeah, they're still in their same roles. Gibson handled almost all of the passing down work. Brian Robinson handled most of the early down work. 62% of the rushing attempts to Robinson, 24% to Antonio Gibson. On the other side of the ball, Saquon Barkley, another game where it wasn't bad. He found the end zone, ended up with, let's see, 81 total yards, but just on 23 touches, home matchup. I, I've been wishing we were getting a little bit more from Saquon here down the stretch. Dwayne. Maybe just beggars or, you know, we can't be choosers. I said that a couple minutes ago, but he's been under 100 total yards in four of his last five games. 
he looks a million times better than last year, but I still don't think we've seen the return of 2018, 2019 Saquon. Maybe it looked like that in the first month and a half of the season, but at the end of the day, you just start pulling up the numbers, man, and missed tackles for us, yards per carry, yards after contact per carry. They tell us he's been a pretty average running back, and honestly, I think the receiving work has been the most disappointing. I mean, he's 33rd out of 39 backs and PFF receiving grade 29th in yards per route run. I just don't see, I'm not holding my breath every time he touches the ball like I used to at Prime Saquon. And maybe that's just what happens when you have, you know, a thousand or however many NFL touches he's had put on the legs. Am I am I overthinking this? The usage is still fantastic. We're starting him no matter what, but I feel like it's been a little bit disappointing for Saquon the second half relative to what I, where I thought we were going after the first six weeks of the first four, six weeks of the season. Yeah, I agree. It's been a little bit disappointing, you know, and he's picked up some little nagging injuries here or there. Um, and it could just be, you know, ages catching up with him. It could also just be the next week he throws up 40 burger and we're just like, Oh wow, there's Saquon Barkley. Remember that stupid thing Ian said last week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I do think the receiving part is like, that's something I've noticed as well. And that's kind of been a season long trend, right? He's getting some of the targets. Like he had five targets for five and five receptions today, but only 18 yards. You know, um, if you look at his a dot, he's not working down the field as much as some of the elite guys like Eckler. And I know Camara has been down as well, but like CMC, these other guys that really work more into the, like the first read passing game, if you will, he's really still been more of a check down guy which you would kind of like to see them just scheme him up more. It's not like you've got a lot of other weapons on the Giants, but like his A dot was a minus 4.4 today. Um, yards per route run, 0.62. So I think it's a the targets are there, but he's not really getting schemed up for these big type of plays. It's really more, oh, wow, everyone's covered. Well, of course they are because your receivers aren't very good, and then they throw it to Saquon Barkley. So I think that's part of the struggle. A um, couple other quick notes, and then you can hit what you want on the Giants, but Daniel Bellinger did return today. And he had a 97% snap rate and an 83% route participation. He was second or he's third on the team in target share at 18%. So I know he's a guy that, look, I, I get it, but we have a lot of people that listen to this that play in tight end premium leagues and things like that. So Daniel Ballinger matters in that kind of scoring format. And he was out there. So if you're really hurting at tight end and you've got bye week, you know, hell coming up next week and you may be trying to make it into the playoffs. I don't know who your tight end is. Daniel Bellinger is a name that you can uh, potentially use. We did get another nice performance from Darius Slate, and I know he had an inopportune yeah. drop at the end of the game, but still six catches, 90 yards. I mean, you just look at his PPR finishes over the past month and a half or so. Wide receiver, 22, 73. That's a dud. But then 19, 35, 15, 22, a dud with 53 last week where he was a lot closer to doing more in that game against the Cowboys. And then today saw a performance that will probably get him at least uh, in the top 36 or so. So Darius Slayton, similar to some of these other guys, uh, Chase Claypool, I don't think of them all that differently. There's just not enough volume to go around. So it's good to see him taking a lot of it that is available. You know, I'm way more interested in Darius Slayton over Richie James. Is he going to be someone that's in the top 24 anytime soon? No, but to Dwayne's earlier point, deeper leagues and all that, Darius Slayton might be able to give you some Low-end wide receiver three finishes down the stretch. Philadelphia Eagles took down the Tennessee Titans 35-10. to Philly covered as four-and-a-half-point favorites. Over cash at 44-and-a-half, just barely, thanks to them, Eagles. And, man, Dwayne, you know, I've been podcasting as much every year. And when Kevin, or just this year, obviously, and when I've been doing the uh, NFC and AFC previews with uh, Kevin, one of the things I've been bringing up with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense is like, we hadn't seen him go to the air all that much recently. We had the game against the Steelers where AJB went bonkers, you know, like a month ago, but more so the Eagles have been able to run on a lot of these teams. And 
it's not that Hertz has been inefficient. He just hasn't really had the raw passing totals. And I wonder if this Titans team being so good against the run could maybe force the Eagles to play more one dimensionally. And I, I tried to back this up by saying like, look, we're grasping at straws a little bit here because this offense is awesome, but I, I'm just trying to get the full picture here. And yeah, that was a waste of everyone's time. Jalen Hurts is the freaking man rushing, passing, whatever you ask him to do, man. And yeah, guess what? A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they deserve a ton of credit for being so great at their jobs. A.J.B., 119 yards and two tutties and another great revenge game performance today. And Devontae had 102 yards and a touchdown in his own right. So yeah, sure, the pass catchers are part of it. The pass catchers are always a part of it. At the end of the day, though, this passing offense, whoever you want to give the credit to, is pretty damn good, just like every other piece of this Eagles offense. I mean, I took the PFF team grades from the different facets of the game. Their overall offense ranks second. Their rushing offense ranks 10th. Passing, fourth. Receiving, sixth. Run blocking, sixth. Pass blocking, first. Man, Dwayne, this looks a lot like the most complete offense in the NFL, and Jalen Hurts is spearheading it. Fantasy MVP at the quarterback position, real-life MVP at the position. I'd probably still lean towards Mahomes, but it's close, and my God, that's amazing because I know I went on some podcasts, and especially Dynasty Realm, and I didn't know if Jalen Hurts was going to be their 2023 starter. Yeah. Dumb freaking thing to say, Ian. He looks fantastic. He has looked fantastic all season long, and the future can only be brighter, man. If he improved this much from his rookie year to his second year and now his second year to his third year, Jalen Hurts. Uh, here we go, Dwayne. Two claps. Two now, whatever you, like now, a, now, whatever you got to say. I think he deserves three, to be honest, <laughs> so you should add one on. But no, there's nothing really to add here, man. Like He's playing great, and I think you called it, like looking at the Tennessee defense, really good against the run really bad against the pass like their underlying metrics for their pass coverage or weren't as bad but they were definitely giving up the yards um and so i think i thought it was smart like the coaches this shows you the confidence they have in jalen hurts this wasn't a situation where they came out and tried to pound it and couldn't and then thought oh no we're gonna throw it no they came out and the game plan was we're gonna throw the ball on tennessee and i just i think that's awesome and that also tells you how complete of a team they are the trust that they have in all the different facets of their of their offense whether it is running the ball if they need to they know they can win the game that way now you know if they just want to air it out they can the one guy that i do think continues to get look aj brown's awesome and i love him but devonta smith is like just the last few weeks Ooh. like just demanding like elite elite target shares did come through today with eight targets five catches 102 yards and a receiving touchdown but just a guy that i think we it's easy to to, to miss him because he's playing right next to AJ Brown. But this is a guy that was really good in his rookie season, having a really good second year campaign as well. Like I, I just, I love these guys. I love both of them. I mean, I, Dallas Goddard being out has been a big thing for Devonta Smith. He's the guy that's seen the biggest uptick in targets. AJ Brown's kind of stayed where he was. He probably will when Dallas Goddard returns. When Goddard does return, he's still got another week before he can come back. That could hurt Smith, but you just have to give him credit. He's playing really well right now. I want more of that. Every time T Higgins does anything good, we hear the, oh, he's a wide receiver one. He's just on the same team with Jamar Chase, which yes, that's fine. I'm not here to slander T Higgins, but let's hear that for Devontae Smith yeah. out there too, man. I mean, again, did not win the Heisman by accident. Anytime you're a wide receiver at 22 coming out, you know, you're getting half a dynasty Twitter putting you down and this and that, but just 
put on hashtag watch the film. The dudes out there, the route running just continues to be incredible. And man, what's he weigh? Buck 70 or whatever. We had to talk about that for an entire <laughs> offseason. Plays like he's at least two bills out there, Dwayne. So size of the uh, heart and the man. Am I right? But yes, we did have some people pointing out rightfully in the comments. And to your point, they never tried to run the ball. So when we see Miles Sanders only having 10 carries out there, I'd be a lot more concerned if it was, you know, Miles Sanders only having 10 carries and Kenneth Gamewell or Boston Scott all of a sudden having these big enhanced roles, but that didn't really change. I believe the Eagles get the Giants league worst defense in yards before contact uh, allowed per carry at least once, if not twice here during the final few weeks. Gonna be feeling a lot better about Miles Sanders back in as you know, a low end RB2 there. But guess what? He's a low end RB2, or at least this early down running back in one of the league's best offenses. So, him, like Isaiah Pacheco, they're gonna get the benefit of the doubt over guys that aren't gonna have this many scoring opportunities. And just shout out Miles Sanders, man. This man said, Don't draft him in fantasy football, only to go for a thousand yards and nine touchdowns in his first 12 games of the year. Pretty nice year from uh, Miles Sanders, Dwayne. You can still score fantasy points without catching passes. Yeah, he looks good. And the backfield, to your point, it still looks the same. Boston Scott like got a little bit of extra work, but again, like this game was over. Like So a lot of that came at the end of the game. But Sanders, yeah, I mean, you're in a good offense. You have a good offensive line. Even though he's not catching the passes, it's okay. You know, there, there are all sorts of different paths or recipes to having successful fantasy seasons. Miles Sanders is in one of those. Only final notes I had, Devontae Smith almost had a bigger uh, game. He had a potential 40-yarder in his hands. Also, really good defense. Just a sheesh, not a drop. Also, A.J. Brown, seldom seen reverse sheesh. He had a 41-yard touchdown get actually overturned after they looked a little bit closer and they saw his foot was just out of bounds. Very next play, runs a double move. Cornerback just couldn't deal with the strength and fell down. I said it before, but when Evan Silva comped, uh, and he, I'm sure he wasn't the only one to comp into this, but when Evan Silva comped A.J. Brown to just modern-day Terrell Owens, I've never seen it as clearly. That's certainly about what, how good he's been to start his young career, and again, that is a hell of a comp to get, and I don't take that lightly. Uh, Quez Watkins did get injured with a shoulder injury, so it won't be that big of a deal out there. Probably just a little bit more Zach Pascal. Anyway, on the other side of the ball, Traylon Burks, a really unfortunate concussion out there. He that was wild, Dwayne, to see him still hold on to the ball upon getting, you know, his head taken off pretty much on a 25 yard touchdown over the middle. I hope he's okay because, man, this is a dude that's really, you know, maybe maybe not having quite the raw touchdown totals as Christian Watson. But in terms of him just coming out over the past three, four weeks and showing what he can do, just like Christian Watson, man, you can say that Traylon Brooks, oh, he's, he had that big catch at the end of the game against the Packers. And, oh, he scored the touchdown when Derrick Henry fumbled it. Okay, that's fine. I've seen more than enough to know that this dude is a yep. really good receiver. I mean, we were wondering if he was just more of a gadget guy and couldn't even exist as, you know, a legit NFL number one. Not sure how much time he's going to miss, but I no longer have those questions about Traylon Brooks moving forward. Yeah, he looks great, and he's coming through with absolutely huge plays. Yes, he recovered a fumble last week for a touchdown, but, I mean, he also played really well as a receiver, and he happened to be hustling. He was in the right play. He was in the right place. You know, we had concerns about Traylon Burks, right? All the asthma stuff in the preseason. It seemed like he and Mike Rabel just, you know, were rubbing each other the wrong way. So, to me, these are just all positive things. And talk about reminding me of Terrell Owens, like, that's Burks. Like he's yeah. just, you know, this big frame dude. He's a run after the catch guy. And that touchdown actually reminded me of when Terrell Owens caught that um, touchdown pass oh, the, in the, the, in the, the wild card. Yeah. Yeah. The wild card game. I was back. It was like 99, 98, something Packers. like that. 
it was a long, yeah, it was against the Packers. It was a long time ago, but kind of reminded me of that same play, you know, minus the concussion. But like for him to hang on to that and come through, it's just another big play. Yeah. And I think if you, we've seen the Titans offense in the past, you get this run game going, you get the play action going, and you can get, you know, these receivers open and behind the linebackers in front of the safeties, you let them run after the catch. I think Burks is built perfectly to do that. Like you don't have to be the best route runner in the world to do that. You can just be an okay route runner and then you can just let his physicality take over the game. Hopefully to your point, he's healthy and we get him back for the next game because I'm, I'm just super excited to see how he can finish out this year. Like overall, this rookie receiving class, like it's just really impressed me more than I thought it would. I mean, we've, we've got multiple guys that I think have shown us that they can play in the league. Now, with Derrick Henry, has been a slow stretch here. We've had him hit a couple big plays in the receiving game in past weeks to save the day, find the end zone here or there. But ultimately, yards per carry-wise, last four, 2.8, 3.2, 2.2, and just 2.7. So, has been slowing down. I think a big part of that, I touched on it in my weekly running back column, is he faces a higher percentage of eight-man boxes than any other running back in the league when they're running the ball. Are we worried? Are we concerned? Absolutely fucking not, because you look at the schedule, Dwayne. I don't know who let this happen, but they get the Jaguars, the Chargers, and the Texans over the past three over the next three weeks. Look out, King Henry about to come. If you can still make trades in your league and you can find some sucker that thinks that Derrick Henry's hit a wall, like, oh my God. Go get <laughs> yeah. him. And go, yeah. go get it. Just a small reminder, too, and we've seen Samaj P. Ryan kind of come out of nowhere and really make some people some nice, uh, you know, n- nice fancy performances. And the two other just handcuffs that are would be pretty important. I'm not saying as good as P. Ryan, but they're out there with these really uh, high up running backs. Dontro Hilliard with the Titans. Yes, we'd see some Hassan Haskins, but I think it'd be more Dontro Hilliard and Matt Breida with the New York Giants. So, again, not on P. Ryan's level, I don't think, or Pollard or Madison or any of those guys. But if you're talking about handcuffs that are only available in two, three, if probably, you know, they're available in 97 or more percent of leagues, I guess you could look at Hilliard and Breida for the deeper rosters. Ravens took down the Broncos 10 to nine. Just a great game here. Uh, Broncos <laughs> covered as nine point dogs under cash at 40 and a half. Another unfortunate injury. Talk about Lamar Jackson with the knee. Not going to be season ending, but Harbaugh would not put an exact timetable on it, calling it day to day or week to week. These coaches are just screwing with us more than ever this year, Dwayne. We had the Joe Mixon one being taken every 12 hours. Like, what is next? I cannot wait to find out. Maybe I can't wait to find out. But regardless, with Lamar potentially going to miss some time, we have seen Tyler Huntley give us some pretty damn good fantasy contributions. And Obviously, we want Lamar to be back as soon as possible, as we do with all these injuries. But the nature of our job is to be these heartless fantasy analysts where we just kind of move on to the next man up. So I'm going to do that now, Dwayne, and look at Tyler Huntley (laughs) and these extended performances he's had. Because, man, six extended performances now. Rushing yards, 40, 45, 73 with two touchdowns, 54, 72, and then 41 with another touchdown today. And, I mean, he's had at least six carries in all these games while also averaging 205 passing yards per game. Now, only one of those games has been this year, and you know, a lot came last year with a different offense. But Lamar's only at 203 passing yards a season, so I'm not here to say Lamar to Huntley is you know not a big change. You can look at any of the passing metrics from Huntley, and I think you see a similar thing as what I was talking about with Mike White. The numbers, the counting numbers might be there. The efficiency numbers are not. I mean, 47th among 48 quarterbacks in terms of yards per attempt over the past two years, 35th in PFF passing grade. Dwayne, I'm pretty sure Tyler Huntley is not a really good real-life quarterback, 
but he might be a really good fantasy quarterback. Where do you see yourself ranking Huntley here over the stretch run if Lamar Jackson remains sidelined? Yeah, he'll be a high-end RB too. Because, I mean, if you can come up with 40 to 60 yards rushing per game and be somewhere between 175 and 225 passing, and we get a chance to get a touchdown rushing and a touchdown passing, like, it's just hard for you to not be a QB1. It's kind of kind of the way we've treated Daniel Jones here lately, right? Once they've really just let him start handling more of the rushing duties, they're very similar players, like, to me. Um, so somewhere in that range, like, especially well, next week, like, you know, you're going to have, well, who all's on by next week? Anyway, it doesn't matter. He'll he'll be a he's a he's a high end he's a low end sorry sorry high end QB two on a full slate like so if 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 you got to get if you got a slate with less games than that then obviously he moves up. Speaking of those week fourteen buys, I got you, Dwayne. As long as my page loads here in a second, here we go: Falcons, Bears, Packers, Colts, Saints, and Commanders. So really, only losing Justin Fields yeah. out of the main conversation. But regardless, top fifty. Option, so we can say that with a level of confidence. They yeah. get the Steelers, the Browns, the Falcons, and the Steelers down the stretch. Now, I think the Steelers, like they've had some bad games, they're a little bit better than some of those. You know, metrics indicate they didn't have TJ Watt for a while, even Fitzpatrick missed a game or two. That said, with those rushing yards, I do think that he could have a chance to again just be better in fantasy than real life. In terms of the backfield, it was Kenyon Drake on you know. Fortunately for him, unfortunately for Gus Edwards managers getting back and really involved. It does sound like JK Dobbins could be back soon. I mean, I just don't really want anything to do with this backfield, Dwayne, because unfortunately, like the Ravens haven't run the ball as an offense enough to make up for how involved the quarterback is with this. Like when you look at the Bears, I mean, their running backs are still, I believe, top five in carries, despite everything Justin Fields is doing. You look at the Ravens in the backfield collectively this year, dead last in targets, and I believe they were 30th in carries among their running backs. Going going to this one so any inclination that Gus or Dobbins could help down the stretch I don't really have any I don't either man like I mean you want to lean into Dobbins but you know they're even once he's back like they're not just going to give him everything you know yeah. so um but no one else has been impressive I'll say that so I, the Gus thing surprised me today to be honest like yeah I really thought he would be probably 40 50 percent of the rushing attempts today so I do wonder if he got hurt I was watching the game at one point and when I saw him get tackled he looked like he might be hurt but I never saw anything on it um you know I, he it, we never got a notification that he left the game but you know sometimes these guys you know they can get banged up and then they just don't play very much the rest of the game and then nobody really says anything about it like I think it really could be one of those scenarios but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like you just don't want to mess with this thing. It's a it's a nasty, you know, run game to begin with. It's a three-way committee. You gotta really see one of them assert themselves. But we kind of saw that last week with Edwards. Like he kind of took over. He was like 50% of the rushing attempts, if I remember correctly, last weekend. Made me think, okay, fine. You can put him at that high-end RB3 range. You're probably gonna get 10 to 15 attempts out of him. It's you know, Latavius Murray type territory, but on an offense that we probably at least like better than the Broncos. Um, but he wasn't able to come through. And that's really all I have. Like the only other thing I would say is Mark Andrews continues. He's fine. He's getting the targets, but he's kind of like the Saquon Barkley conversation, right? Like the underlying stuff is all there, but you're like, where's the real Mark Andrews? Where's the Mark Andrews that plays more like Travis Kelsey? We just have not seen that since the injuries earlier this season. We did see him have some pretty nice games with Tyler Huntley and even Josh Johnson uh, down yeah. the stretch of last year. We saw him have plenty of nice games with 
Lamar Jackson too. So similar to Saquon Barkley, guess what? You know, it's like a going down with the ship type of fantasy player. You're starting them and hope for bigger, bigger days down the stretch. We did see Isaiah likely miss a little bit of time here with a shoulder injury. So just a small little thing to keep on looking for there. Otherwise, on to the Broncos side. The only thing I care about with the Broncos anymore is our guy Kent's uh, Russ bathroom-o-meter, you know, just <laughs> seeing what's going on here. Because if you guys don't know, Russ's mansion, you know, he has 12 bathrooms in his mansion. He needs to average one passing touchdown down per game to reach his passing uh to reach the bathroom total at this point so yeah the offense is uh, atrocious dead last in scoring they've scored 10 16 10 and 9 points since uh their buy so that's a good time and latavius murray is still dead last among 53 running backs and yards after contact per carry uh Cortland sutton got hurt with a hamstring injury I, I like seeing Jerry Judy back. Greg Dolchitz actually had a decent game. He's probably the, sadly enough, the one guy we can trust most in this offense. And anything else, Wayne, because I got nothing. And along with the Houston Texans, uh, the amount of time and energy and vo- vocal cords that the Denver Broncos and Houston <laughs> Texans have wasted this year, shame on them. Yeah, there's nothing here. I mean, Dolchitz would, would have been my only point, 35% target share. Um, he had had a couple of down games. So that was nice to see. And uh, if some of you maybe had, you know, just gotten David and Joku back like we had in a couple teams and you got to throw oh. Dolce in, like you feel pretty good about it. <laughs> you know, he came through for you. So, uh, but that's it, man. Yeah, we do not need to waste any more time on the Broncos. Moving on to the four o'clock slate. Seahawks took down the Rams 27 to 23. This was a fun one. Comeback Gino was on display. The Rams did still cover though at six and a half point dogs. The overcashed at 41. So just with the Seahawks, man, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And we talked about Higgins and Chase and Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. I mean, these guys deserve to be right up there in any conversation of the best two wide receivers, you know, just the best duo, I should say, in the NFL. Lockett, nine catches, 128 yards and a touchdown. Metcalf, Eight catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Lockett has now scored in five straight games. Metcalf had the game winner over Jalen Ramsey, who is now tied with A.J. Durrell. Seven, A.J. Terrell, excuse me, seven touchdowns allowed in their direct coverage, most in the NFL. That is not good. Metcalf joined A.J. Brown as top receivers on the week who had a perfect passer rating when targeted. And it's funny, Dwayne, because I remember reading these numbers about Geno Smith, like, back in week four and week five and we're like oh yeah how long can this can this cute you know cinderella storyline keep up it's week 13 man and he is fourth in pff passing grade second in passer rating fourth in yards per attempt fourth in adjusted completion rate and he just had a week high six big time throws he is doing it in style man this is the opposite of someone dink or dunking like if fantasy gave out style points geno smith would be the qb1 out here with what he's doing through the air i mean it's just been an awesome offense and we know that now with the passing game do you think that we could see Gino and these receivers put up even bigger numbers down the stretch? God forbid Kenneth Walker misses some time with this ankle injury. We don't know the full extent of it just yet. Pete Carroll said he quote unquote jammed his ankle and we'll see. And if you guys aren't experienced with getting injury updates from Pete Carroll, <laughs> that's probably what we're going to be used to here over the next couple of weeks. So thoughts on, I guess the overall Walker injury, Dwayne. And if we could see again, Gino in this passing game really open things up down the stretch accordingly. Yeah, well, I think what we've seen is really the teams that have a little more balance, you know, or they have a quarterback that can move around have actually been better this year on offense than than the traditional, hey, we're just going to drop back and throw it all the time because everybody's running so much coverage over the top. But Gino has been one of the guys that we've talked about. There's only a few that are really, you know, what we consider still, not that he can't move around, but he's really a pocket passer. 
and he's coming through with these 270, 275 yards this year is the new 325, right? <laughs> and Gino's been right around that number like most games. Today he came through with 367. That's like 500 yards in the NFL this year with the way defenses are playing coverage. Um, but three passing touchdowns. I mean, he's got the two receivers to do it, so I would never doubt it. But we'll probably see him be around where he's been, you know, probably between 275 and 325, two passing touchdowns. But in this season, I mean, that's a low-end QB1 every week. But what I like about today, Ian, is he did show he still ha he has that ceiling to be the QB1 overall on a slate. We hadn't seen that version of Geno since probably the Detroit Lions game. You know, now he's been really good, but it's been consistently right, right in that middle to low-end you know, quarterback ranking every week. So it was nice to see it. Um, and it is awesome just when you're like, you know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf are really good. Like, we'll just throw it to them a bunch, you know, and it can work out really well for you. So we will see DJ Dallas potentially leading this backfield. I mean, he did go out yeah. there and have a team high 49% snaps, 10 carries and one target, but we also got Tony Jones. Is Homer still on IR? No, he was no, back. He, no, he was sick. He had an illness. Oh, that's right. Out that's of the right. game. So, and I didn't say anything about the backfield because, there's really not DJ Dallas was hurt. He got knocked out of the lineup. Then he yeah. came back in. I think Tony Jones had an injury and left the lineup and came back in. So it's really one that we can't decipher, um, okay. to be honest. Um, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see what we hear this week. Probably not a situation that I'm gonna want to trust next weekend, even if we know for sure that Kenneth Walker's gonna be out. On the Ram side of things, John Walford was also playing through the pain out there in and out of the lineup with I believe an ankle injury in his dude. Own it was nasty. It got yeah. stepped on and turned completely the wrong way. Oh. I could not believe it when he was back on the field the very next drive. And, and he scrambled for like 15 <laughs> yards. I have new respect for John Wolford. I don't know if he'll ever play another snap in the NFL. But the dude has my respect. Because like when I saw what happened to him, I was like, I wouldn't get up. Like I would be in, a, in an air cast, like immediately on my couch, Ian. I wouldn't have done the podcast. I wouldn't have even walked in here to do the podcast. This dude <laughs> went back out on the field. I would have just been texting you, bro. I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not. I'm, I can't walk to my office, you know, 20 feet. John Wolford was back out there with NFL defenders chasing his ass and not looking too bad doing it. So a lot of respect for that. Proud of you, John Wolford. And he did have some nice throws out there, man. 2-2 Atwell almost had a 25-yard score, only got one foot down. And honestly, man, credit to 2-2. He's actually, that's an easy sentence to say, but he's actually had a couple solid catches out there. Looks like a little more than a field stretcher. I mean, are we interested in him in fantasy the rest of the year? Of course not. No one from this passing game, including Tyler Higby, who's basically a full-time offensive tackle. I mean... <laughs> Like, yeah, Sorry, so nothing in this passing game. But the run game, Dwayne, I thought maybe we were moving towards Kyron Williams. Three straight weeks, the snaps increased, the opportunities increased, and now that's all gone. Cam Akers, 73% snaps, 17 carries, and a target. I would like to say that Akers was really good with those touches, but I don't know, man. You still look at the overall numbers on the season. Maybe today was his best game of the year. He did find the end zone twice, but yeah. 53 running backs have at least 50 carries and Cam makers is dead freaking last in terms of yards per carry. So I get it. Yards per carry is not the only stat to, you know, evaluate a running back by, but when you're dead last, what that tells me is there's probably also a problem with your offensive line. And guess what? That all goes into the fantasy points involved. So Cam makers, even after this performance, Dwayne, I mean, Kyron was the one with over 70% snaps last week. Can we really be confident? It's, in this yeah, it was game breakers? script. This was game script. The game stayed they they stayed in a really close game. They played a good game today against the Seahawks. Like this game was a it was close to the end. You know, it was never a blowout over the Rams. So 
Cam Akers had 63% of the rushing attempts. If we look over the last couple of games, Cam Akers been around 60 to 70% of the rushing attempts. They were able to run the ball more today. They only dropped back to pass 58% of the time because of the way the game strip worked out. And so that is what flipped it. Their roles did not change. To your point, Karen Williams still 91% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. So I, it just is what it is. Depending on how the game script goes, which most often will probably benefit Williams, right? It's most often going to benefit Williams. Today it didn't. It just so happened that Cam Akers, you know, it worked out perfectly. Good for him. He scored the two touchdowns, but it'll still be really hard to trust. Final note, Sean McVay did confirm that Matt Stafford has a spinal cord contusion and likely done for the season. So if you're holding out hope for him coming back, which we were not, uh, yeah, he is not going to be out there. So John Wolford, Bryce Perkins should be out there the rest of the way. Probably already talked a little too much about the Rams than we needed to. 49ers took down the Dolphins 33-17, to 17, one of the better games of the day, at least anticipated-wise. It was closer than this throughout the game. It got a little bit out of hand there at the end with some late not meaningless touchdowns, but, you know, two of fumbles, they pick up the ball, scoop and score type of situation there in a game that otherwise was a one-score one up until, I think, five minutes or so left in the fourth quarter. So, credit the 49ers. Good teams win. Great teams cover, and they did that as five-point favorites. The over did cash as well at 46. So, with the 49ers, man, the problem is another freaking lower body injury, and that is Jimmy Garoppolo going to miss the rest of the season with a broken left foot setting up seemingly Brock Purdy. Although they did go out and sign Josh Johnson, who is, you know, continuing his quest of playing for every single NFL team out there. So with Brock Purdy, Dwayne, Hey, it was one performance. He got thrown in there in the fire. We try not to judge these guys unless, you know, they're having an actual time to start. And even then we try to give them a couple games that said just 5.7 yards per attempt, took three sacks and only had a 5.6 yard average target depth. When I checked how he stood up in the PFF passing grade, he was 19th among 26 qualified QBs. So we have seen Kyle Shanahan make Nick Mullins like uh, get him like a rabid fan base in the fantasy world. So I think that he can probably get Purdy to average seven yards per attempt and not be atrocious, merely purely out of, you know, schematic goodness. That said, Dwayne, we want more than seven yards per attempt, more than just a baseline offense. We have McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, George Kittle, a lot of guys in this offense that we are fully trusting down the stretch. And for right now, man, McCaffrey, thanks to that aforementioned 5.7 uh, average target depth from Purdy, he's the only one that I'm really all that confident firing up like nothing changed because we did see McCaffrey 81% snaps, 17 carries, 10 targets. I mean, whatever near, knee irritation he was dealing with was not a problem here. And this, I don't think, not, not a coincidence that Elijah Mitchell was out of the picture. We have seen them give him this more workhorse role without Mitchell there. So McCaffrey, I'm not worried about. We saw this dude, one terrible Panthers offense after another, be one of the best fantasy football running backs we've ever freaking seen. Like, whatever, Dwayne, if you're under center, I'm sure CMC could find his way <laughs> to 100 yards and or a touchdown, which he has now done in 32 consecutive games because I am not counting last week. He was injured with knee, knee irritation, of course. Other than McCaffrey, though, Dwayne, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, are these even guys we need to start here down the stretch with Brock Purdy under center? I guess Kittle, obviously, because it's tight end, but Debo and Ayuk. Yeah, they're still all explosive. So, I mean, you know, they're they're all boom-bust plays besides McCaffrey. You know, I mean, the I look at Debo as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three, but he's boom, <sighs> put, put the word boom-bust in front of that. Same thing for Ayuk. He's been living on the touchdowns. And, you know, Ayuk I, is really the guy they go deeper down the field to. He's the guy. He's their man beater. So if you play a lot of man coverage, they typically go to Ayuk. 
Um, but if Purdy's going to be the checkdown king, it could really help Debo and CMC, right? That would be the two that would help the most. I don't know that there's anything really sticky to take with that, like to just say, hey, this is really going to be a great thing for Debo and not for IU. I think overall is probably something we look as a slight downgrade. The good news is it's not like Jimmy G was this 350-yard passer, right? He's a guy coming out there throwing for 250. So Purdy today was probably on his way to 250 if he plays really the whole game. He was at 210. He had two touchdown passes. They signed Josh Johnson. To your point, like this is one offense that can scheme up and protect the quarterback. It's not going to be an elite passing attack, though, right? It's just it's not going to throw for 350 yards per game just because that's not the way that it's built. Um, the backup to CMC is worth mentioning. It was Jordan Mason. Now, I have no clue if that would change if something did happen to CMC but I know a lot of us were looking at Tyrion Davis-Price as well as Jordan Mason, trying to determine last week, hey, which one do we go with? As of today, it really was Jordan Mason. Um, TDP did not even have a snap. I am He was active, um, so there is that. And McCaffrey, yes, back to that full every-down workload. So the Elijah Mitchell injury comes just in time. I know we never wish for injuries, but the CMC managers, if you manage to still squeak your team in, you're in really good shape. Any future running back that Kyle Shanahan drafts, we are erasing the draft capital and we are just having Matt Waldman on the podcast and we're listening to whatever he says. And just, <laughs> yeah, th this is the one backfield that we just have no rhyme or reason. And I, again, the Shanahan family like invented the idea that you can get by with any running back out there. Shanahan Kyle continues to prove to himself that he can do that. I mean, look at Mason out here, eight carries, 51 yards. Yeah, maybe he is better than Tyrion Davis Price. I don't know. <laughs> But, like, come on, man. Just keep giving yourself these cheap cheap shots at these guys. Elijah Mitchell from last season. Like, how many times does Kyle need to see this happen? They traded for – oh, my gosh. Like, you guys yeah. know all these moves. It's just it's just crazy because he's gone out of his way now, like, going back, you know, giving McKinnon serious money, giving Coleman serious money. These keep blowing up in his face, but they don't really blow up because he keeps getting by with a low-drafted or an undrafted backup. And, like, at some point, shouldn't he just make that the main strategy? I don't know. So – Good points. Makes all sense around. to me. Makes yeah. sense to me, Harditz. We'll see. So I, I as I like to say, you know, Shanahan's gonna forget more about football than I will ever know. Yeah, so, you yeah. know, keep that with a grain of salt. But just uh it's just interesting to see here over the years. Oh, we got the Russian porn bots in the chat now. That's when you know you've been podcasting <laughs> for a while. Welcome everyone. Just trying to, you know, win some fantasy games. We don't we don't judge who wants to listen to the podcast. Final few notes, Debo almost had a 29-yard score. Probably should have gotten a DPI right there at the goal line when Xavier Howard cut across early, was not called. Juwan Jennings had a step for a nice little 20-yard game, but Purdy sailed it wide. And CMC dropped a three-yard touchdown. They went right back to him, and he caught it. So another reverse sheesh from CMC and AJB today. Love to see that. On the other side of the ball, Another injury to talk about. I did not see an update, but Tua had that late ankle injury. So, Dwayne, we can continue to throw that one stat out there about the Dolphins being undefeated in games where Tua finishes. Never mind that this game was over anyway by the time that Tua got that ankle injury. Why let the truth get in the way of a good tweet? As a It sounds like he's going to be fine, though. Yeah. Okay. That is yeah. good to hear. Yeah. And if he is going to be fine, man, guess what? This offense is going to be fine. I mean, the fact that this is like, this was a bad game from Tua, like 100%. He missed a ton of throws out there that we're not used to seeing him miss. Jalen Waddle, I counted three potential 20 yard gains that unfortunately weren't there. And Tyreek had another uh, 20 yard missed opportunity that was a little high. Jeff Wilson, man, one of the few times we saw him out there, which I guess he was actually out there 38% snaps, but I feel like it was more like 0.3. 
three fantasy points out of Jeff oh Wilson today. Oh, my gosh. Just, Jeez. And out of nowhere, man, just out of nowhere with uh, the way that usage was uh, looking. So that that is tough to swallow. But, bro, like he – they the corner sat down. The guy that was supposed to carry the wheel route, like, did not carry it. And if Tua just could have put it on him, I mean, he was off the races for, for a potential 70-yard house call. Wasn't meant to be. So, again, bad game from Tua. But guess what? it was one 60 minute game. Like I feel like Tua has this thing going on where we almost judge his entire career and his future by like 60 minute intervals every single time he's out there. So he just wanted well, the guys fantasy to wise. I mean, more. he's still two ninety five and two, like right. he'll freaking take it any day of the week. Like, okay. I mean, especially this year. So another one of those things where I think we struggle when we have such great receivers like Tyreek Hill, you know, Tyreek goes for buck 46 and a touchdown because he's Tyreek Hill. And it's like, yeah, maybe two had a little bit to do with that. So always, you know, again, I think two is good. I don't think he's amazing. I don't think he's bad. I think he's good. And I think we'll have better games down the road when he's not playing a freaking juggernaut defense. That is Nick Bosa and the San Francisco 49ers. So missing both so, tackles too. Oof. My goodness. So, yeah, Tyreek Waddle still firing them up with all the confidence in the world. And Tua is going to continue to be a top, what, eight, top six fantasy quarterback. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. top six. And you didn't have Teron Armstead, like I mentioned. You also didn't have Austin Jackson. So you're two start. Now, he he gets the ball out quick. Tua's yeah. a, you know, a quick time to throw kind of guy. And that's the way they've got the offense set up. But still, it doesn't help when you're playing the freaking 49ers. He was under pressure more today, and it's a really good defense. And you're playing, you know, away. So still coming through with 295 and two, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, knock him out of the, I, I never really thought he should be in the MVP conversation. Um, I like Tua. I just didn't think he was quite at that level. Um, so fine. People got to take him out of that conversation. He probably shouldn't have been at it anyway, but he's still really good playing really well and he's really good for fantasy like he's great for fantasy still um Jalen Wild did get hurt in the game missed a little bit of the time came back in then he ultimately missed some more time he was only out there for 54 percent route participation so we'll just kind of have to keep an eye on him see what happens um the backfield man uh it just totally flipped and now there weren't a lot of carries but 61 percent of the snaps went to Raheem Mostert 37 percent to Jeff Wilson you had 49% route participation to Mostert, only 38% to Jeff Wilson. Rushing attempts, there were only eight, but 89% of those went to Raheem Mostert. He had seven to only one for Jeff Wilson. And then we saw the two-minute offense, 100% of that also went to Raheem Mostert. Okay, I'm opening that. That was only one snap, so just forget that I said <laughs> that. 50% of the long now. I Sometimes I don't have like all my stuff open yeah, when I'm looking. Can. I just see the percentages. But uh, 50% of the long down and distance work went to Mostert, 25% to Jeff Wilson. So just another one of these backfields, Ian, um, where you know you can get value out of it because this is a good offense. But now moving forward, are we dealing with more of a 49ers, old school 49ers hot hand? Like, that's what this feels like to me. We saw Jeff Wilson get the hot hand for two weeks. Now we're back to Raheem Mostert. I have nobody had a hot hand today, but apparently, like, they thought Raheem Mostert, I guess, had the hot hand. Um, he did have a better offensive grade 71.6 PFF offense grade versus 38.8 for Wilson. So they were probably right, but only three points for Mostert, even though he took over just in a really tough matchup. But now it's just going to be hard to rank one of these guys over the other. It's just going to feel like either one, you know, you could have the rug pulled out from under you in the next game. 
Maybe that was why they were really seemingly force feeding McCaffrey. Like they just couldn't stand to live in a stadium where, you know, Moser and Wilson just going off and outperforming <laughs> CMC and their respective uh, revenge games there. So just something to keep in mind. But one final note here, just again, because if we're trying, if we're saying that two is still putting up these numbers, but not exactly having the best game, that certainly means someone was. And that was the wide receivers. Trent Sherfield, first play of the game, I believe. If it wasn't the yeah. first, it was a second 75 yard catch and run. He's been flashing out there, Dwayne. I mean, there are plays where it's like, which, you know, speedy Dolphins receiver is that? And you're like, oh, shit, that's actually Trent Sherfield. I mean, he has been flashing throughout there this year. They signed Cedric Wilson to be that guy, but Trent just took that job, seemingly is making some good plays with it. And with Tyreek, again, man, just in my opinion, he's been the best wide receiver in the league this year. I would have to say, man, I, I give Tyreek Offensive Player of the Year. I'm not so sure who else deserves it. Justin Jefferson, I realize, is constantly in that conversation as well. But just Tyreek, man, I... <laughs> amazing NFL defenses are just hopeless at trying to even contain this guy. It seems like, and even in games where he can't get going downfield, they just start feeding him underneath and you look up and he's just already cat, you know, seven catches for 70 yards in a game that you didn't think he was doing much of anything. in. so he is now on pace this season for 136 catches, 1954 yards, and somehow just seven touchdowns. Like that's the wild part here. We haven't seen him booming much with trips to the end zone. Like again, this guy is, a couple more good games away from maybe getting 2,000 receiving yards, and there's somehow a higher ceiling out there for Tyreek Hill. That's how good 2022 has been for the Cheetah. AFC West here. Raiders took down the Chargers 27 to 20, covering as two and a half point favorites. The under did cash at 49 and a half. So, hey, Derek Carr keeps existing in those, you know, one to three seconds between getting the snap and throwing Devontae Adams the ball. I mean, this team had 250 passing yards and Devontae had 177 of them. And it was easy, Dwayne. He had two touchdowns. It could have been more. I mean, he had a incredible catch down the sideline. I mean, it was uh, Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase both had these amazing one-handed catches that only would have been good for like 15 yards, but it just shows you the different plane of existence that some of these wide receivers seem to be operating on this season. And he got a chance for a third short touchdown, but it went off his hands in the back of the end zone. So Devontae Adams held the way he's playing, man. Him, Tyreek, Justin Jefferson, just the way these wide receivers are performing this year. Not that it, It's crazy because last year, again, Cooper Cup wasn't a tier of his own he was having a fantastic season before getting injured himself but there really are these you know five six guys at the top of the league just having one great week after another so Adams he has five straight games now with at least seven catches and when he's blowing up man it's just winning you your weeks four games now with at least 120 receiving yards and two touchdowns so hey it's Devontae Adams and it's everyone else we did get a dud from Foster Moreau only had a 32-yard catch, and he did miss a little time while going through the concussion protocol. But, yeah, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, pretty simple in Las Vegas win. Yeah, pretty easy. Um, it's it's just a really consolidated offense. We did see a 32% target share for Matt Collins. He was not able to do much with it. That's nine targets, five receptions for only 35 yards. Um, but, you know, if you got a guy getting the targets, it's fine. You mentioned Foster Moreau did miss some time. He was still out there 72% of the routes. We'll see what the Raiders do. With Darren Waller, I do believe he's eligible in the next game to come back. I don't know if the Raiders are going to want to push that or not, or they just go ahead and leave him on IR, leave him out for the season. Like I, I don't know why you might want to risk anything to Darren Waller for next season. We'll have to see what they do there. Um, Josh Jacobs, yeah, I mean, there's Ooh. nothing to say, dude. Dude's just going fuck. You know, he's just going nuts. 26 carries, 144 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Three receptions again for 11 yards. I, you know. We're in the fantasy playoffs over at the FFPC, and that's because their playoffs start in week 13. And if you're in the fantasy playoffs, 
if you don't have Josh Jacobs on your roster, he's almost guaranteed on the team you're playing against because he has single-handedly brought people into the fantasy playoffs. Over at the FFPC right now, Ian, 48% of the teams that have Josh Jacobs on their roster were the number one or two seed in their league without looking at any of the rest of their roster. That's insane. By just taking Josh Jacobs in the sixth round of your fantasy draft, seventh round, we saw him go in the eighth round once. How did we not? How how come we're so stupid that we weren't the ones taking him? We'll save that for the offseason. We'll have to, you know, we need some time. We need some time to let that sit. But uh, I was kind of looking at it and I was like, okay, like, man, Jacobs really hadn't done much. I honestly, I felt good to come out of a lot of these matchups with him only having 24 and a half because I was just so worried it was about to turn into a 40. I was just closing my eyes at the end of the game every time he got it because the Chargers suck against the run. You know this. And it, right, right away in the early part of the game, man, they ran a perfectly block play like he gets to the hole there's a there's a block down there's a there's a block down by the guard and then mac hollins comes across and just cleans up the linebacker and i mean just the whole side of the right field's open right and he goes in for like 20 yard touchdown run and so to come away with only 24 and a half in my face like i felt pretty good about it because this dude is just playing great and the raiders are blocking really really well for josh jacobs right now we're gonna catch uh we're gonna catch um the next Josh Jacobs, Dwayne. I'm confident in that. And, you know, hey, it's we had a similar conversation about DK Metcalf, I remember, because we were like, yeah. at what point do we just have a really talented player? And maybe we didn't give Jacobs enough credit for that. Um, I agree. Again, plenty of time this uh, offseason. Uh, we, we got Mojo asking if uh, we're going to be talking more offseason. Yeah, yeah, we'll see Mojo. A little, maybe a little more on that one these days. But, look, this was a speak freaking smash spot and guess what josh jacobs smashed it that's what you should do in smash spots i mean the chargers have now allowed over 150 rushing yards in six consecutive games they've really fallen off the map ever since losing joey bosa there what in the middle of week two but i always try to before getting on this podcast quickly run through some of our advanced stats over in pff ultimate to find just outlier performances and my god this was one of them because again box score you're impressed enough already but 112 of his 144 rushing yards came after contact and he forced 14 missed tackles on the ground Dwayne. only week five damian pierce has done more than that in one game this season on the season now, Josh Jacobs, 78 missed tackles for us on the ground. Chubb is in second place at 66. So I've talked about sometimes missed tackles for us, maybe being a little more descriptive, talking more about a run style than something to necessarily be like, oh, this guy is for sure the best running back in the league because look at the broken tackles. But yeah, Jacobs has that and he has everything else you could look for as well. Incredible season from, yeah, the fantasy MVP, I think we can say at this point, relative to where they were drafted. On the other side of the ball, disappointing game from a Chargers team. But, you know, there's moments like at the end of the game where it's a fourth and ball game and the result is a 50-50 ball. DeAndre Carter on the sideline. And I start to wonder if maybe I shouldn't be blaming all the talent involved <laughs> quite as much there. So Justin Herbert, he did lose a pair of fumbles. You know, I'm sorry, he fumbled twice. He recovered both of them. So that's good. He did take five sacks out there. So it wasn't a perfect performance, but can we just tell this dude, like every play is fourth down. I have not seen any quarterback convert more of these, you know, fourth and 10, 15 plus yards. And he seems to save the best ones for the Raiders. Awesome 35 yard strike to Keenan Allen to at least keep the chargers in the game a little bit longer. And yeah, we did have a bit of a dud here from Eckler, but even in Eckler's duds, man, he's going for over a hundred total yards and he added five total receptions to the total. So Really good to see Keenan Allen still have some juice here. I mean, I wasn't that confident that we would see him come back from the hamstring and play as well as he has over the past couple of weeks. 
could have seen some bigger performances from uh, the other auxiliary pieces. I mean, Eckler almost had a 15-yard touchdown in the end zone go off his hands. And even Gerald Everett uh, had the ball in his hands in the back of the end zone for a potential 25-yard score. Just couldn't get his feet down and maintain it through contact. Kind of how, you know, you're supposed to make a catch, but it still qualifies as a sheesh. So, yeah, man, Keenan, Everett's doing a pretty good job. Eckler. We got Josh Palmer there. Justin Herbert's enabling a lot of guys out here, Dwayne. And, you know, it's got a little bit of an Arizona Cardinals vibe where we're, we're always, you know, wishing for more. But that's just because of how higher expectations are for the group. Still should see more good days ahead from everyone involved. Yeah. And I still think, like, Justin Herbert overall just gives your your passing offense a bigger ceiling than Kyler, right? Uh, you know, I mean, he can make all he can make all the throws. Not that Kyler can't make them, but it's just a little bit of a struggle you know, for, for Kyler, you know, Mahomes said that Herbert can make throws that he can't. Yeah. Mahomes said yeah. that. Yeah. Herbert, Herbert is still, you know, insane. I, I don't, I don't necessarily understand the low a dot stuff, like in the way they design everything in the offense. And I get it. It's not like they have a bunch of like speedsters, right? It's, it's, it's kind of back to whenever you, you tried to ask Will Fuller if he was coming back this week and it was the wrong Will Fuller. Like, could he please go to the chargers? Even if it's the wrong Will Fuller, like they could go play for the chargers. Um, you know, just so we have someone to stretch the field out, but Keenan Allen, man, 30% target share. That was awesome to see. That's two out of the last three games where he's really played well. Um, and Josh Palmer, I have to give the guy credit, man. Um, over the last three games or so, like he's played really well. Like he had not been demanding targets early in the season, despite the playing time, another good game today, 26% target share. So he is slowly starting to move up. And a lot of the metrics that we like to look at as far as as we start thinking about next year or if you're a dynasty player like palmer's doing some things that are looking pretty good the last thing i'll say is josh kelly we mentioned him last week you know he kind of worked his way back into the split with isaiah spiller it was all josh kelly today after austin eckler 41 percent of the snaps 41 percent of the rushing attempts handled 63 percent of the long down and distance um, so I do believe at this point, if we saw Austin Eckler go down, we would at least feel good about maybe putting Kelly at that low end RB2. Not that we want Eckler to go down. We love you, Austin Eckler. <laughs> never, never get hurt, Austin Eckler. If something did happen, Kelly probably low end RB2. I think we'd feel comfortable enough you know, to say that. I still think that the other guys would be involved in, but it does look like they've clearly decided that he is the number two right now. And they did this last year where it wasn't like Justin Jackson was blowing all these other guys out of the water every single yeah. week as the backup. And then when Eckler got hurt, he really was the definitive starter. So now that we have seen Kelly get healthy and regain that job, I am with you. You can put him right there in that same group, uh, Doncho Hilliard, Matt Breida, as sneaky, solid, low-owned handcuffs out there. Bengals took down the Chiefs third time in the year 2022 because that late game season last year did in fact happen in 2022. So 27-24, they covered as two and a half point home dogs under cash just barely at 53. So yeah, Samaje Pirine keeps on keeping on, man. Three games now pretty much without Joe Mixon. 131 rushing yards in a score, 136 yards and three scores through the air and looking good, man. Every single play out here today, I felt like he was still farming yeah. a dude or chugging along for extra yards like he has surprised me i like samaj piran over the past three weeks and recommended him as you know a pretty solid tier one tier two handcuff a few weeks before that just because of the workload and i thought the Bengals really liked him but every now and then Dwayne, these nfl coaches who've been doing this their whole life seem to know a little bit more about football than we do when it comes to player evaluation sometimes so samaj piran just playing great. And I mean, PPR, RB2, RB10 last week. And after having 155 total yards, probably going to have another top 12 finish. I tend to think oh, yeah. Joe, 
I tend to think Joe Mixon will come back and get his usual workload, but at a minimum, man, this is really changing the way I think we view uh, P. Ryan in the grand lexicon of handcuffed running backs. Yeah, and the difference for P. Ryan is with Mixon out, he's getting all the passing down work plus all the early down work. Whenever Mixon earlier in the year was struggling a little bit, it's because a lot of the passing down work gets taken away from him. Now, it's still okay, again, we talk about, you know, the different recipes that can make you a good fantasy football, you know, asset as far as being a running back. You don't have to always have all the passing downs if you play on a good offense like the Bengals. Um, so you can still you're still going to have a good chance to come through. And we've already seen Mixon obviously have a huge game, you know, before he got hurt. You know, I mean, the guy scored how many touchdowns that game? Ian? was it four or five. I can't remember. Five, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was five. And so Piran, though, to your point, has played well, like just watching him. Like the thing, he's like a bowling ball, like just really low center of gravity. That's the thing I kept seeing. It's like, dude, you're not getting lower than Samaji P. Ryan. Like he just was getting lower than every tackler. I'm sure that was something you never liked as a linebacker, you know, Ian, when you had one of these guys that would just get super low on you. Like, it's, especially because you're a taller guy. Like, and P. Ryan, he's probably like 5'8. Can you imagine you're trying to get under his pads? Like it's not I, an easy I, thing to do. I was an ankle biter out there sometimes, Dwayne. I mean, look, I was far <laughs> do too you gotta do. <laughs> far too skinny to be playing middle linebacker. You gotta survive out there, man. <laughs> well, I don't blame you for that, man. Um, uh, but yeah, P. Ryan's looked really good. We'll see what happens with Mixon. Uh, we did see Chris Evans. He was only out there three percent of the snaps, but he yeah, did you see what he did his, with it. <laughs> his one, his one target, one reception, eight yards, and a touchdown. Just I, a we walk do into like, come on, he's made some awesome plays, and we've complimented him for that. But like yeah. the one, seemingly the one route he runs, like for P. Ryan, just oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like we wanted that to go to P. Ryan. Let's be honest. But yeah, twenty one point three points for for P. Ryan. So there's really no. I don't think that there won't be a way that he's not in the top twelve this week. We also did see the return of Jamar Chase, and he immediately led the team in target share 27%. We had 17% to Tyler Boyd, 13% to T. Higgins. Of course, he was able to get in with a touchdown. T. Higgins is going to be fine, but it was nice, Ian, to see Jamar Chase get back out there. 93% uh, route participation. They told us he really would not be capped. That was the case, and he was targeted plenty. You can feel really good about Chase just being his normal self the rest of the way. And that's a good thing for the fantasy playoffs. And look back to his normal self, which goes hand in hand with what he was honestly, he gave a real nice revealing uh, interview with someone and was just saying that he wasn't even going to be practicing unless he felt like he was hundred percent. So kudos to Chase and the Bengals for obviously handling that situation well. And now we got a healthy Jamar Chase for the stretch run. I mentioned when we were talking about the Raiders though, but Chase, man, just freaking the stick him on his hands i don't know what the hell he has going on there but incredible catch down the sideline we did have had we did have though unfortunately one of the biggest shushes of the season on behalf of tyler boyd yeah. my god man they run a little rub route thing get him so wide open and joe burrow's perfectly thrown pass literally bounced off his face mask so four catches 60 yards for boyd yeah, his other four targets went all really well. Not that one should have, could have, would have been an 18-yard score. Instead, it'll probably be featured as my sheesh of the week here come Tuesday. You can't have time to think about it. That's the no. problem. Like, that was one of those where it was like just slow-mo. You're like, there's no one around me. The ball's just floating at my face. Like, there's too much time, man. Too much time to be thinking about it. 
Also did have Hayden Hurst suffer a calf injury. So keep an eye on that. He has been playing pretty banged up throughout the season. So might need to go back to the tight end waiver wire. Just, you know, if you got Hayden Hurst, I already know you've been through a lot over there. So just, uh, you know, keep on keeping on for another few weeks. And yeah, man, only other note was uh, Joe Burrow's continuing to provide some rushing goodness, 46 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. I mean, I don't think he's going to get now Jalen Hurts. So was far more productive, but I was surprised to see, man, Joe Burrow. I think he's had five overall QB one finishes since those last few weeks of last season i mean i know sometimes we did look you, at yeah go ahead did you see the play where he was supposed to hand it he should have handed it to p ryan and then he didn't and he decided just it was an rpo and then he decided just to follow him like through oh. the hole <laughs> and he just ran behind him it was like a 15 yard run like burrow got skinny through the hole and he followed p ryan it was pretty funny did he someone threw a touchdown that actually got called back i think on an rpo might have been burrow i forget who it was too but um I think there might have been like a flag. It might Higgins, maybe. Yeah, I probably should have had this written down. Sorry, guys, but you could imagine uh, on the other side of the ball with our Kansas City Chiefs. You know, just one of those things where every time the Chiefs lose, we don't need to, you know, reassess everything we know about Patrick Mahomes. That dude is still probably the single best quarterback walking the planet at this point in time. With all due respect, the retired dudes chill out, everyone. But I'm not overall worried about the passing game upside here, just like with Travis Kelsey. Like, yeah, this was a dud. A Travis Kelsey dud is four catches for 56 yards. Uh, that's how spoiled we are at this point. So it sucks. Is it going to happen again for either guy? I pretty much doubt it. What I am more concerned about, Dwayne, is really just four targets for Juju Smith-Schuster. And what did you see from some of the utilization metrics? I mean, last week we knew it was his first game coming off the concussion. This week he did have a nice catch, and then they checked him out in the blue tent. But he was out there, I think, before the drive was even over. So if he missed any time due to that, I'm pretty confident saying it was only a few snaps. How did Juju's usage progress after last week's disappointing numbers? Yeah, so, well, number one, the the utilization of multiple tight end sets did continue. You had Travis Kelsey with 81% of the snaps, 59% to Noah Gray. Noah Gray had a 52% route participation, 87% to Travis Kelsey. So you also had Joe Fortson involved a little bit. So they're using these two and three tight end packages more. What the good news is, is that last week we saw that really knocked Juju Smith-Schuster off the field because he's the slot receiver. So they must have expanded his role. I haven't had a chance. I don't have the slot data pulled in. Actually, yeah, I do. Juju Smith-Schuster, look at me. 38% of his routes today came from the slot. So he was playing more outside. He wasn't limited just as a slot. That allowed him to be on the field for 81% route participation. Whereas last week, we saw that number like down below. Uh, it was well below 70%. I want to say high 60% or low or high, sorry, high 50% or low 60% last week. MVS was only out there for 61%. Um, he did lead the team in targets, 24%, Juju at 19%. And here's the thing. That's where Juju's been all year, Ian, is a 19%, 22% guy. But guess what? It's normally when Patrick Mahomes is throwing for 350. <laughs> so you're going to be fine on those games. Today, Patrick Mahomes only throws for 223 yards. A 19% target share gets you four targets, three receptions, 35 yards. So it's just really the Chiefs offense, right? And if you, we're not going to sit here and say all of a sudden the Chiefs offense sucks. So you're probably fine with Juju. I do think Juju was kind of living high there for a little bit. You know, he had a little three-week stretch where he was probably out kicking. You know, he was out kicking the coverage kind of thing. He's still going to – he's a fine wide receiver three. Yep. You know, as soon as you bench him, you're going to be pissed because <laughs> he's going to score two touchdowns. He plays in the Chiefs offense. He is their lead receiver. MVS continues just to drop balls, do weird stuff. Like, dude, here's my biggest thing with the Chiefs. Like – 
how can Sky Moore, Ian, if he's any good at all, not be on the field yet? Like MVS is like just inviting himself to be taken off the field. He is not playing good. Justin Watson does not get targets. He's just out there, you know, getting his steps in, as some people might say. Like, so it really is, and you don't have no Kadarius Tony today. Like, to me, it's really discouraging that, that Sky Moore, with all the bad things going on with the Chiefs, have not been able to get on the field. I think he's an, if anyone's still willing to give me anything for Sky Moore and Dynasty, I'm taking it just because he could get better next year. And we liked him coming out. Like, we talked a lot about him this offseason. He's a guy that, you know, we drafted some, but a, a wide receiver to have this bad of a rookie season when the rest of the receivers in the room are not really doing anything to differentiate themselves. And then they go trade for Gadarius Tony. Like, I just don't feel good about Sky Moore. I feel like there's just like, I, I prefer to move on from guys that just bust in, in the first year. Some will come back, but most of them don't. And so that's where I'm at on Sky Moore. Well, I don't love when the wide receivers get worse and Andy's like, all right, time to put in Sky Moore. And he's like, let's start leaning on these two and three tight end formations more than ever. Yeah. That, that's what they're doing out there. So if you don't want to hear from us, just go look at what Andy Reid's doing out there right now. Not looking good for Sky, but to the Juju point, yeah, just 27 pass attempts for Patrick Mahomes after seeing that. Good enough uses for Juju. Just a down game for the overall passing environment. Do we expect that to keep happening in Kansas City? Nope. So keep Juju in those starting lineups. Isaiah Pacheco, Dwayne, has been getting fed here lately. Now, we had the first two games where he is the starter, and we expected starting numbers, and we did not get those. But over the last four games, once Clyde Ebersolaire has been removed from the equation, 16, 15, 23, and 16 touches. Now, here's the annoying part. Jared McKinnon is on the field so much inside the five-yard line. I looked at it for the season, man. Running back snaps inside the five-yard line for the Chiefs. Jared McKinnon has 29, CEH has 13, Pacheco only has eight. Now, seven of those eight for Pacheco were running plays, presumably to him. McKinnon only had five running plays on his 29 snaps inside the five-yard line. Yeah. CEH only had four. But that's another part of the equation is the Chiefs. Yes, Pacheco did find his way into the end zone again here. They throw the ball inside the five-yard line more than just about anyone in the NFL. So with Pacheco, I'm come around very confident in him as this low end, even mid tier RB two in the right matchup. And he's been given uh, that to us over the past two weeks. That said, Dwayne, we did see Jarek McKinnon come in, play the same amount of snaps today, eight carries and two targets. Like, is it ever going to happen with Pacheco getting higher than what this is? Cause this isn't a bad spot. And I'm not, you know, we are grasping the straws a little bit here, but I just don't know. There's that second stage. And honestly, if we're talking about just again, low owned bench stashes, Jared McKinnon out of everyone in this backfield that's employed by a Chiefs right now, he's the only guy I could actually trust them fully turning over the backfield to because we've seen it at the end of last season in the playoffs when he played at least 70% of the snaps in every playoff game. And this year, like the high leverage situations that the Chiefs care about on the goal line and in passing downs, that's all Jared McKinnon. Yeah, I think McKinnon is somebody you should have stashed. Like right now, it's just you can't. It's tough to start him. He needs the right kind of game script. He got the game right. script today. Um, lately. The Chiefs have been blowing everyone out, right? Or at least they they beat pretty much everyone or they play with a lead. And then that works to Pacheco's advantage. So you you nailed it when you're inside. Like even today, inside the 10 snaps, 70% of those went to McKinnon. Only 20% went to Pacheco. 10% went to Rojo. Um, so once they decide they're going to run the ball, though, when they're inside the five, they really do give it to Pacheco. And he's been getting like one or two of those chances, you know, per game. So 
when you play on the Chiefs, you're going to be inside the five plenty. It's still fine. He's going to score. He's going to give you a chance to score two touchdowns every week. He is going to give you some games, though, where you may not score any, and you're not going to like it because you're going to get like, you know, seven points. Um, he at least did get the two targets today. He had a target last week. So he's getting a little bit more involved in the passing game, like nothing crazy, but 10% target share. So it's funny, him and Kenan, they tied in target share. Um, but to your point, they split the snaps. And so it really just it comes down to the game strip. But your thing on McKinnon, like he's the guy that's available. Isaiah Pacheco's now been picked up everywhere. I agree, especially in deeper leagues. McKinnon should be rostered uh, if you're playing in any kind of league where there's like 20 players, right? You got 20, 18 players on your rosters. Like you should have you should have Jarek McKinnon rostered in those. Final one here, Sunday Night Football, Cowboys 54. They scored again after we tuned out, Dwayne. Colts 19, Cowboys covered easily as 10.5-point favorites. Game total at 44.5. I mean, this game going the fourth quarter was 21-19, to 19 Cowboys, and they scored 33 points in the fourth. One turnover after another from the Colts. Matt Ryan, three interceptions, and they also lost a pair of fumbles. They have now fumbled the ball 30 times this season. That's the one part people I think were missing a little bit. If you weren't watching all the games of the Colts of early on, which yeah, wouldn't blame you at all. Like do something good with your life instead of subjecting yourself to that. But Matt Ryan, when he got put down on the bench, man, like more fumbles and interceptions than any other quarterback in the league. I mean, I was shouting out like Carson Wentz threw seven picks last year on this team. I think Matt Ryan had cleared that by like week five. So it's been a terrible year for him keeping hold of the ball. And that's what happens when he faced a Cowboys team that is now starting to blend one of the league's best defenses with an offense that's turning into a bit of a juggernaut themselves ever since they've had Dak Prescott back under center. So Dak, yeah, he had some misses, had a bad interception, almost had another one that just got bailed out on when it was ruled that it hit the ground first, but Cowboys offense is really starting to flow. And again, the only kind of problem we see here, especially in the passing game is a lack of volume because they don't have to keep their foot on the gas as long as they might, if they had a worse defense. So CD lamb looks fantastic out there. I mean, they gave him the same like fly sweep two plays in a row and just, I, feel like they could have kept doing it all the way down the field, man. I don't know what, I don't know what his pregame meal was, but his, uh, you know, just yards after, contact catch run whatever you want to say man he looked great in the open field and he started off from the beginning when he had that touchdown where he just managed to stay on his feet you always see the guys their forearm or their ankle or something hit the ground there not cd lamb so great game from him michael gallup best game of the year he caught two touchdowns a fade and also i forget what the first one was but hey it was a touchdown so it must have been pretty cool tony pollard two touchdowns zeke a touchdown malik davis a touchdown we've seen the cowboys even last year Dwayne, like when they really get running they can become a front running monster in a hurry and it's pretty good to have the fantasy guys here i mean they scored 54 points what more are we supposed to say here pretty fantastic performance from dak and company yeah and just a real they were they didn't have to do a lot to your point they got a short field quite often um so when you look at dak's numbers you know he's going to give you 170 yards passing but it could have been more like it easily could have been more and now the, the Cowboys really have been a balanced offense, you know, so we're not seeing Dak drop back and throw the ball 40 times anymore. Like on average, like Dak's throwing the ball 26, 27, 28, 29, 30 times. He threw it 30 times tonight. He's had a much higher average in recent weeks. But again, some of this comes down to when they were getting the ball, they were already on a condensed field because they were like 30 yards away from scoring. So that definitely factored in. But he came through with the three touchdown passes. So you're feeling good about it. You know, Zeke and Pollard, you know, they're still splitting up the backfield, but both guys are getting their work. Pollard doing the explosive stuff. Zeke still getting a score too. Yeah, dude, like everything 
is clicking right now. Seven targets for Gallup to go along with seven for Lamb. You know, so he tied for the team lead. It's uh, it looks really good. The only guy that didn't boom was Dalton Schultz, and he almost did, man. He had a 14-yard touchdown in the end zone. In his hands, linebacker yeah. made a great play to knock it out at the last second. So great call by uh, Mojo in the chat. I mean, OBJ visiting the Cowboys tomorrow. Had to go get all those points up while they could. Man, I don't want them to sign OBJ if it's a multi-year deal. I do not want. Why? He's going to look so good with the star in yeah, his Yeah, but you don't man. want him to give him a three-year deal. For like, oh. no, come on, man. The like, pregame OBJ, visors and the cleats. That'll be cool, but it'll. It, I, I don't. I don't want OBJ on like a three-year deal. Like, and that's the thing they're saying because he has so many teams. You know, after I mean, good for him. Like OBJ should do this, right? He should use his. He should use his negotiating leverage. Teams treat players like a complete piece of meat. So I, I'm pro player. Like I want these players to get paid. I want them to get their contracts. I just would hate to see Dallas. They've got other things they that they need to do in the coming off seasons. I don't want to see them sink a bunch of money into OBJ. If they can get the right kind of deal, I'm not saying I don't want him. I just don't want to. I don't want to hear tomorrow that you know we you get OBJ three years on a sixty million dollar deal. <laughs> I'm going to be like, you should have just kept Amari Cooper if you're going to do that. You're right, but think about the swag potential. Right? That's all. That's I all. I can't I'm... stop you. I can't stop this. Just listen. <laughs> I have nothing else to add to that other than just think about the swag. He will I'll... look cool. You're he right. Will he cool. will. On the cold side of things, they do have a week 14 bias. So maybe Jeff Saturday still has uh, some tricks up his sleeve. But yeah, I mean, look, they found a way to get Jonathan Taylor 24 touches. He did eclipse the 100 yard mark, but just couldn't really break off anything too big. He had a Leighton Vanderesh made an awesome play in the flat to yes. stop who I think had a chance to go and be as explosive play. So good job on Leighton, really turning his career around over the past year or two. It seemed like he was on the Jalen Smith, uh, you know, train right out of town there for a second. But, you know, funny things happen, I guess, when you buy into a Micah Parsons-led defense. And, yeah, otherwise, I mean, Chris Collins was saying it throughout the broadcast. Like, the Colts would throw downfield, and they would have success against this banged-up secondary. I mean, Ashton Doolin sent Trayvon Diggs straight to the shadow realm. I felt bad, Dwayne, because, like, Diggs has really avoided that most of the season. I mean, this really has he been – completely jumping that oh i know but like that if you haven't been watching a ton of cowboys games you just turned on in prime time you're like oh same old trayvon Diggs. Yep. he has gotten a lot better uh this year but yeah tough to say anything about that one other than that was a uh, pretty brutal there uh michael Pittman dudded that's an unfortunate reality in this pretty bad offense overall alec pierce had a good game but like can we expect that to really persist i sure can't any final notes here on the colts twain no, man, they're just spreading it around on offense now. You know, we're kind of seeing it rotate around. Paris Campbell for a few weeks was the big deal. Last week, we saw Jelani Woods get involved. A few weeks back, we saw Pierce with, uh, I think it was three weeks ago, we saw Pierce with quite a few targets, wasn't able to come through. He Similar thing tonight, eight targets. He did get four receptions for 86 yards, but that's bad for Michael Pittman. Four targets today, two receptions, 16 yards. So they're really just kind of spreading things around. Uh, it, it's not something where we're seeing Michael Pittman dominate like what we kind of thought we might get, you know, especially early in the season, like week one. Like if you were looking at your week one box score scores with Michael Pittman, you probably thought, oh man, I got a wide receiver one on my hands. No, you don't. Just kidding. Uh, you know, he's he's probably going to end up settling in like in the way that I look at him moving forward. Like next year will be like a wide receiver three. 
And with that, we have wrapped up another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast game-by-game review. We'll be back here week 14, 15, and 16. Three more on the tap. Favorite show of the week, my friend, Dwayne. Let the people know what they can find over at MB Fantasy Life. And don't forget to pitch your guys' what, $20, $30 per issue newsletter, however <laughs> hell you guys have driven that up. Yeah, we should charge for it, but we don't. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we, we love fantasy players. You know, we just we want to we want to do the right thing for all the fancy players. You know, there's a lot of great content out there. I am thankful that um, we do put it out for free. But you guys, yeah, you go sign up for it over at fantasylife.com. You get it direct to your inbox every morning. You get a five minute read. It's myself, Peter Overzet, the rest of our team helping cover everything going on in the league. We just make sure you're up to date on everything. You don't you don't have to, you know, you you get to work, you got to take a quick glance at it. You may need to hit the waiver wire real quick, but you know you're all caught up. You don't have to be thinking about it all day. Oh, my God, what did I miss? What am I missing? I'm going to be in an important meeting. No, we already got you covered. Like So go check it out. Obviously, the rankings, tiers, utilization, all of that information is on the site as well, and constantly launching new tools. The newest thing is the Game Hub. Completely awesome. You guys go check that out. You can look at every single game. We've got our bets in there. We've got overs, unders, props. We've got fantasy stuff. Like it's it's awesome. Everything in one spot. So that's really sweet. But yeah, go check it out. And it is F R E E. Oh, E F E another E F R E E. Oh yeah. Okay, it's late. You know, give, give, give me a break, you, man. Add, add like two more and some exclamation points, like free. <laughs> At Dwayne McFarland on Twitter. Always great job, my friend. We'll be back here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast on Tuesday which, with our usual waiver show with Nathan Yonke. I am trying to figure out uh, what to do next. And once I know, I will uh, let all you guys know. So appreciate all the support over the years, everyone. And we will continue to get those lineups ready to win some championships and have fun doing it. Great day to be great after all. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.